58, 11 o'clock comics, episode begin. See, I threw him a curveball. You did, man. You were on it, though. Was. I was about to go woo woo. Woo woo. Woo woo woo. Woo woo. And Scooby Doo. I'm big time excited. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. It is. Boom. It's nothing. They're <laughs> blowing up like Mark Wade CB, man. You got Channel 9. No. I hope man, that the Disney shit blows up so much that they make uh, Yuppie look like a chump. And say, oh my god, these things sold themselves. You couldn't do it? You saw it. You look like a guppy. That's right. Guppy. Alright, hey guys, 11 o'clock comics, episode 58, we're raring to go, I am Vince B, and I'll just save you some trouble during the drink roll call, I'm drinking black and tan, that's what I'm drinking. <laughs> nice. Damn. Uh, I'm Christopher Neesman, and uh, I'm just drinking. I'm, uh, I'm David Price, I added some rum to some Arizona green tea, and uh, enjoying that pretty much. And I'm John Grammelkin. No. No. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not gay. You, well, <laughs> hey, maybe. You never know. I've seen the way he looks at me when I'm next to him in the urinal. He's like, not, that's, that's yeah, he's that's not checking out size. He's looking to see for the taste. Ah, <laughs> you, <laughs> you are not that person. I forgot. <laughs> Great, Malcolm. Thank you. You are Jason Bood, and we love you. Oh, I love and you since guys. they already what, stepped all over what, my drink what, roll call, what are you drinking? What, what do you mean we, white man? What are you <laughs> Well, uh, Chris, in honor of, uh, again, you had a bad week, so I wanted to do something other than a black and tan or yingling. So I'm drinking a Honolulu juicer. Uh, and, What's that? Uh, and I got this recipe off the web, off of uh, drinkoftheweek.com. And uh, it's called a Honolulu juicer because it'll, quote, unquote, lay you out. But I'm bummed. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it's Southern Comfort. I get it. Rum, <laughs> lemon, pineapple <laughs> juice, and some sugar. Shake that shit up, pour it into a, a Tom Collins glass, and drink drink to your heart's content. Nice. Now, do you do you really have a Tom Collins glass? I do. I have just about any kind of glass uh, that you could imagine. Of course you do. I, I think um, Drink of the Week needs to be a sponsor for this show. That's what I'm saying. We get yingling. We're in the money. Money, yeah, yo. It's or just you? enough to pay for the friggin' Libsyn. That's all I want. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm drinking. Uh, I'm drinking. Uh, I'm drinking. Uh, I'm drinking bourbon this week. Bourbon. Yep. Bourbon and lemonade. Sweet. Literally sweet. Yes, very good. So there you go. That's who we are. That's what we're drinking. What are we talking about? Uh, yeah, it, I think you guys are right. It has been a pretty pissy week so far. And not the least of which is that today was supposed to be New Comic Book Day, but it's not. 
because it's, it's tomorrow, Sunday. because of the holiday. You woke up and Wednesday said, it's it's New Comfort Day. And you said, no, it's not. It's tomorrow. <laughs> now, no, but that throws your shit off for the whole week when it's when well, comics don't come I, on Wednesday. I want to know. I want to know if the people at DC thought of this from Wednesday Comics. And are these 12 weeks going to be holiday free? Oh, I don't know. Does that really... Yeah, it doesn't it matter. Doesn't matter. I'm, just, I'm just... You never know. Maybe they'll throw you a curveball and call it Thursday Comics one week. For that one that. week? I'm just, yeah. I can already imagine the blog headlines and, and the snarky remarks on Twitter. That's all I'm saying. Uh, don't, don't do that to yourself. But you know what? <laughs> I, I, I have to admit, I did enjoy this series immensely, and there was a lot of talented people involved in it, but I'm not ashamed to say I am glad Trinity is ending tomorrow. And that's not a comment on the quality. I'm just glad I don't have to buy a book every friggin' week. Because some weeks, I didn't want to buy it, but I did. Because I was sure. 38, 45 issues in the yeah. hole. What are you going to do? you got to keep buying it. You know. So. And, and how did you like oh, this? Count count down. I'm, not even, I'm not even halfway done with it. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think I'm up to like the late 30s or early 40s myself. Well, let me just say that uh, the forums... <clears throat> I hope you all had a good holiday weekend uh, because I it was pretty quiet around... Uh, the internets during the holiday, and then I popped back in ready to uh, partake in some giddiness. And I got to say, it was a ghost town on the forums this week, at least as far as my buddies were concerned. You guys weren't you weren't yeah. around. Too I wasn't in the mood. That's a strange sight. Having Wood come on the forums a lot more than well, me and Vince, Chris, we right. know, but I just wasn't yeah, I into it. I, 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 I somehow David has this reputation that I don't go on the forums. Like on the forums, all my no, forums. No, I, I know you are. I'm just saying though, it's weird to have you post yeah, more that than me or Vince. True. I had a uh, I had a comic book confession this week. I heard about Twitter. Yes, I heard. Yes, you. Yeah, did. I um I I like the Punisher. I always have. I've um it's one of you know the Punisher is a hard character to admit that you like sometimes for me anyway because the Punisher is like a base emotion character and it, you it's like I don't know you're not supposed to like that character sometimes I think. To say that you're a Punisher fan kind of automatically classifies you as a certain kind of comic book fan. Do you ever feel that? I mean, like saying like Wolverine and Deadpool and having yeah, uh, like saying yeah, yeah exactly like saying you love Deadpool. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's like mm-hmm. oh, oh, he's a Deadpool fan. He's mm-hmm. that kind of guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've always I've always liked the Punisher, and I realized this week I'd never read Welcome Back, Frank. Wow. Yeah, and I was just like, "Yeah, I gotta, uh, I need to take care of this." So I, uh, I got a forty percent off Borders coupon, and I went over to the, the old Borders on Sunday before, uh, before Memorial Day, and it was sitting right there. And I was like, "You know what? I will get Welcome Back, Frank, and read it on Memorial Day." And I did, and it was very entertaining. Yeah. Um, what I loved about it even more than the story is Garth Ennis's introduction where he talks about what the Punisher is and how he writes the Punisher and mm-hmm. how we should kind of approach it. And it's it's perfect because he's, you know, I, I don't want to uh, quote or even paraphrase um, that much, but it basically says, the Punisher is an over-the-top action movie. Don't take it too seriously. Just read it and have fun. And don't be offended by it. Just have fun with it, and whenever there's a scene with gangsters being, you know, mauled by polar bears in the New York City Zoo, that's fucking hilarious, and you need to see that as being hilarious. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yeah, I loved it. it's it, it's it's Garth Dennis and Steve Dillon and a, uh, a Palmiotti on inks, and it's it was just a really fun twelve issue Punisher series that I, I I loved every second of it, and now I'm glad that that I read it, so I can say I am an official Punisher fan now. Oh. It's a it's a good story. It really is. Yeah. And have you read um, Have you read the uh, Punisher Warzone, the one that they just did, the the weekly Punisher comic? Weekly, that no, came out? no, I didn't. It, if you If you are a, a fan of Welcome Back, Frank, mm-hmm. the uh, the Punisher Warzone is basically a sequel. Oh, it's really? The, uh, yeah, because yeah, Manucci is yeah, Manucci's back, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's the resurrection of Manucci, and is yeah, mm-hmm. it's is it Nucci or Ganucci? It's like, it's like you and gnocchis, right? Gnocchi. Yeah. yeah. You know, I will say something about Garth Ennis. I get Garth Ennis's ultraviolence, and I get his sardonic humor, mm-hmm. and I always compare him for whatever reason to another writer who tries to do the same things that Garth Ennis does, and that's Mark Miller. I don't uh-huh. get it when Mark Miller does it. Like I, I was looking through Kick-Ass. What mm-hmm. the hell is the point of Kick-Ass? Oh, that's, I haven't read it, but I keep hearing that people like it, but they don't understand what it's all about. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of wrong. It, but it's it's children hacking people to yeah, bits. Yeah, that's I, and that's what's. T- I mean, it's whole- a movie, right? Yeah, 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 and and it and it really bothers me that they have employed one of the most talented artists in the business to illustrate this book because knowing what John Romita is junior is known for and that's Spider-Man I would think he's not having all that good of a time drawing this I don't know the guy personally I don't know Spidey for so many years and everything I, else I he's done in he... Marvel it might be a nice change of pace to I mean I don't know how I'm oh, sure man. the gray shirt was it or I'm sorry not the gray shirt the gray there's the, the gray area Gray area, right? Okay, I, I don't know how explicit or graphic that series was. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure it was. If, if it was at all, I'm sure it's nowhere near the the images you see in Kickass. But um, mm-hmm. I would think that after after fooling around with Spidey for so long, and the Hulk, and and X Men, and everything else he's done, that it's just it's a nice change of pace. It, maybe not nice, maybe, but it's yeah. just it's something different. And then when he's done with this and it, 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 it it's obviously going to make him some money because he's a co-creator yeah. it's going to be a movie he's he'll be he'll be fine I, maybe it's just the writer turning me off because I'm, really? I'm not, Mark Miller? Huh? yeah i'm not getting it i'm just not wow. getting it and you know i'm a bit of a hypocrite because today on twitter i said i want to I, I finally figured out what i want to do as far as yes. comic comics are concerned i want to make the most visceral, most disturbing, most in-your-face single issue of a comic I could possibly do. Just a rampage of blood, destruction, and violence for no reason other than to do really big panels and draw a lot of destruction. That's what I want to do. And then I turn around and say, well, oh my God, this kick-ass is reprehensible. But <laughs> and, and somebody replied, yeah, it's already been done. Garth Ennis did it. Nah, you don't understand. Yeah. Garth Ennis is a pussy compared to what I want to do. I, I want to make S. Clay Wilson blush. I'm talking destruction. Just You're so dark. No, I just want to do craziness because I want to do different paper stocks, oversized, you know, just mix it up. Just go crazy with it. And for no other reason, art for art's sake. Just There's no ulterior motive just to draw. I mean, it's just to draw. Bingo. But, and then, but then you get Mark Miller having these kids killing people and it bothers me a little bit so i'm, I'm a hypocrite 
And it's got to be it's got to be the writer. The first time that you heard about Kickass? Yeah. When that was in Chicago, wasn't it? Mhm. And who did you hear from? We heard it straight from Ramita Jr., didn't we? Exactly. That was yeah. like and we were sitting there talking to him. Well, I don't know yeah, if like, Vince heard it. He was probably daydreaming and thinking. No, about I was too busy watching his his, his was, bulge go up and down as he talked. Yeah, that's what <laughs> <laughs> Vince is over here with a drool cup. Yeah, we were close to the man, weren't we? He was so yeah. nice. He was awesome. He was awesome. Hey, one, one last thing about Punisher. Uh, okay. I'm really enjoying going back and reading some of the older Enna stuff that takes place in the in the 616 universe. I loved his Punisher Max run. I think it is one of the uh, one of the great creator runs in comics um, this decade. You know, for sure, maybe the last couple decades. His Punisher Max stuff is amazing, but I really am enjoying what Remender is doing uh, at Marvel right now. I think I think that. Um, that Rick has really got a grasp on this character. It's the best mainstream comics that that I've read that he's done, and you know we're all Fear Agent fans, and I think that that Rick has definitely his own voice on the stuff that he was doing at Image and Dark Horse. But the Punisher, he seems to have um, hit a comfort level that I didn't see yeah. him with like Booster Gold or um, All New Adam. Or, or even whenever he and Fraction were doing Punisher, this last these these last like three issues of Punisher have been like Rick Remender unchained at Marvel, and that is a fun series. So I just I love how different different creators can grab a hold of that character, kind of tell their whacked out crazy. Uh, violent stories and make them fun, and I think that's the Punisher when he's at his best is whenever it is just kind of like fun, gratuitous violence. And, uh, and speaking of uh, Rick Remender, congratulations to he and his wife—they had a baby today. Yes. Oh, hey, that's awesome. Yep. So, congrats. Happy nice birthday. You know, Chris, those Borders coupons were making the rounds. Ooh, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Congrats, uh, or thank you rather for. Yeah. Yeah. Them. I. I got a story about that, but you guys go ahead. No, I want to hear your story first, right? All right. So I go to Borders. I got a 40% off coupon. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go buy something cool. Uh, I was actually, what was that? I was thinking about going and buying the like, Absolute Kingdom Come, which I don't have. And uh, they didn't have it. First of all, the Borders I went to, really shitty comics and graphic novel section. <laughs> for, for, for being like a growing part of the uh, of the the book industry for a borders to have that bad of a comics and graphic novel section is is unforgivable it was unorganized it was most of these stores have no fucking clue what they're doing whenever they put one of these graphic novel sections up i mean it was terrible so um anyway i i I was lucky enough to find welcome back frank and i'm glad that i got it but um so anyway i had a a 40 percent off coupon it's a twenty four ninety nine book, so that's what like like eight bucks off something like that. Um, no, more than that. Whatever. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm checking out, and it's the day before Memorial Day, and the lady at the counter is like, "Oh, and if you'd like to, we are um, um, selling bags of coffee for yes. troops overseas for Memorial Day. Would you like to donate?" a pound of coffee to our troops 
and you can't say no. I did. It's like it's well, yeah. Well, I I couldn't say no. It was Memorial Day. They're like, you know, our 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 service men and women deserve coffee. Would you like to buy a pound? And I'm like, okay. So my twenty four ninety nine uh uh welcome back Frank hardcover ended up costing me like twenty eight dollars with oh. a twenty percent off coupon. Nice. <laughs> See? That's how they get you. I'm they're drinking good coffee in the military now. <sighs> yeah. There's somebody paying the bills for those people over there. Let them buy the coffee. Oh. I know. I was just like I just it was like I can't say no. I've got to buy this pound of coffee. So yeah, so yeah, yeah. Whatever, but but J- Jason, you you were talking today about using your coupon, right? Yeah, that's right. I uh, much like Chris, uh, I went to Borders and was uh, sickened by the lack of uh, selection. They actually had more copies of Geo than they did uh, Absolutes, which uh, you know I, I guess uh, is what it is. But they, I mean, literally, I counted there were uh, there were one, there were ten. Ten bookcases full of manga. Yes! To, to two bookcases full of graphic novels and comics. That were completely uh, unorganized. And well, these, these to be fair, were organized. But it was a lot of what you would expect. It was, there was a whole, like, I would say a third of everything that they had on display was Wolverine, which I can understand because of the movie and stuff. But, I mean, I you know, there's no Wolverine, Wolverine stuff out. Batman, Wolverine, yep. Batman, and Buffy. The only absolute they had was Absolute Dark Knight. Um, you know, which wow. I had no interest in. So I was really looking to, you know, get a big ticket and take advantage of the 40% off. So um, it came down to a couple of things, but then I uh, I went and got a coffee, and my son had a snack, and we sat there, and I looked through them. And once I started looking through them, it was an easy choice, and that was Comic Book Tattoo. Nice. Um, nice. That is a gorgeous, gorgeous book. I mean, it, I, I haven't read any of the stories yet. I just leafed through it, and it just just the art alone is, is well worth the price. I mean, I can't even believe that that's only a $30 book cover price. I mean, it's huge and uh, oversized, and uh, it's just beautiful. So, um, mine was forty nine ninety nine. You get the hardcover, that's why. Ah, yeah, yeah the yeah, kick beautiful cover. hardcover. Yeah. But boy, oh boy, I'll tell you, I'm still I'm on an anthology kick, and uh, this is just more fuel for that fire. So, find that uh, find that Eric Kennedy story in there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there's an awesome uh, Ryan Kelly stuff. It 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 is. It's a beautiful book. Yeah, yeah, she had a new so. album uh, come out last week too. You know, yeah, yeah. Miss Miss Amos. Eleven o'clock, Colin. You're not gonna believe that this just happened. So I've been sitting in church for the past couple hours. And we had two baptisms today, and so the godfathers of one of the bata- kids getting baptized looked a lot like Damon Lindelof, the co-creator of Lost. Oh, by the way, I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina. Um, this is all Beamer Sear 23 from the forums. 28. I don't know my name but so i was throughout the entire service i was like is that game in lindelof is that game in lindelof and so i finally broached him at the end of the service and sure enough it was damon lindelof co-creator of lost writer of ultimate hope versus wolverine and he was so glad that i recognized him he took a picture of me in my it's always sunny in philadelphia shirt which just so happens to be one of his favorite shows in my favorite shows and he said he was going to show it to him and i got a picture of me with him on my phone. I might share it on the forums with you guys. Wilmington, North Carolina. Damon Lindelof. What the hell? Amazing day. Good show, guys. You know, I had the exact opposite experience as you guys. 
our our borders. I originally went in to buy Roberto uh, Bolaño's two six 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 novel because it's thirty bucks, and I don't really feel like spending thirty bucks on a prose novel. So I said, all right, I'm armed with a forty percent coupon, eighteen bucks, baby, right? Thirty bucks, forty percent off, eighteen bucks would cost me. But they didn't have it, so. I'm, I'm perusing the, the, the comic and the manga section, and I stumbled upon something that I think is the perfect manga for Chris. Uh-oh. No. This thing... Gunsmith Cats? Which is really good. Don't... don't it, it, I've read it. Don't, I, I've yeah, read it. it's good. But this... I remember the spark that Death Note had as I was reading it. I, mm-hmm. y- you knew early on that, holy crap, this is something special. I'm going to stick with this. This series... It only it's only on the second volume so far, but from the very first volume I got that spark. In fact, I picked up the first volume Friday after work, took it home, read it. Saturday morning I was at Borders with another coupon to get the second volume. That's how good this is. It's, it's by. I don't uh, believe you. No, I'm not. I'm not shitting you. This is no hyperbole at all. It's Naoki Urasawa's Twentieth Century Boys. And no, before you say it, it's not Yaoi. All right? 20, 20th Century Boys. It. I don't want to give too much away because I think the joy of this book is experiencing the characters and just their relationship between each other. It's kind of like... Definitely in an, in, Yaoi. Definitely. No, it's not. It, it's kind of like Stephen King's Stand By Me mixed with It... You remember? Did you did you read it? Stephen King's it. Do you know how they had that back and forth progression where the kids would would be growing? They he'd have a chapter of the kids experiencing things in their formative stages, and then he'd have a chapter of the grown up versions of the kids. That's how this book. There's a a, a ping pong from 1969 as uh, this group of kids make a little club amongst themselves, and then it'll jump to like 1998. Or ninety is it ninety eight or ninety six? It doesn't really matter. It it jumps ahead into the nineteen nineties, the late nineteen nineties, and shows the the kids grown up. Uh, but the only problem is, back when they were children, they formed this group, a group that would rid the world of evil, and they they drew a an icon, a sigil, like a, a um, an image to depict what the group meant, mm-hmm. and it turns out. 20, 30, uh, 30-some years later, there's this mysterious man, a leader of a cult, who is trying to initiate this uh, eschatonic event, this Arm- Armageddon. He's trying to uh, do away with the human race through this, this apocalyptic event, and his symbol is the sigil. Cool. And, and none of the children knew, could remember growing up what that symbol was, but they did remember burying a box, like a time capsule, next to their uh, clubhouse as children. So when they dig it up and they see the, the, the icon on the top of the box, they're like, oh, man, uh, there's a connection here. So that's, that's the whole volume, seeing where the children have ended up, and one of their group dies, which is how they all get pulled into the, the, the search for this mysterious man and, and this this um, shadowy organization one of the character's sister 
who she up until a certain period in her life she was the responsible person who raised him while his parents operated their shop she just suddenly comes to them one day and gives up her child and says i can't watch this child anymore you're you're not going to understand just please take care of it and i'll be back and she's all messed up in this organization now so there's there's people dying under mysterious circumstances it's really really well done the character designs are phenomenal. Picture Ernie Cologne mixed with Gray Morrow, mixed with Urasawa's normal style. This is a kind of like a diversion from what he did in the Monster. Mm-hmm. Chris, you said you read Monster, at least one or two volumes. Oh, <sighs> but it's different. It's different than that. It actually sounds pretty good. It's excellent. Um, you you get, uh, yeah, it's good. I'm telling you, read it. I'm all. How many volumes? Uh, ah, see, that's the problem. <laughs> it's it's. You're it's, gonna be reading for a long time. It's currently on its second volume. They are published by Viz. They're twelve ninety nine a pop. Mm-hmm. I think this is gonna run for twenty two volumes. So you're that's in. Standard. I mean, that's standard for a manga. Yeah, though, but you're you're in for. And I don't know how they're going to pull this story out for 22 volumes because mm-hmm. in the second volume maybe it's trickery on their part but there's a member of the group whom they think may be responsible for the maybe the the shadowy person within the group okay. and and i i pegged it from early on in the first volume because it, right from the the very first chapter it starts off with t-rex's 20th century boys you know the song 20th century boys so does our episode by the way but I'm tipping my hand. All right. it, um, it, it's a it's a school in 1969. This child bursts into the audiovisual room, and you don't see him. And he puts on the T Rex album and blasts rock and roll music through the Japanese school. And I'm th- I was thinking, why didn't they show that kid? So later on in, in in the book, you see this mysterious stranger who can levitate and who kind of has this ability to make people do what he wants them to do. And you don't see his face either, so I put two and two together, and sure enough, in the second volume, they kind of allude to the fact that it may be that person, but I think that's playing too much of their hand too soon. If they got to do 22 volumes of this, yikes. But then again, I said that of Death Note, too. I said, there's no way this is going to go 13 volumes, but sure enough, it did. But this has that same, oh my God, i got to see where this is going, spark, that Death Note had. Naoki Urasawa, this guy is really good. Chris, I'm telling you, if you read this, if you don't like this book, I'll be flat out honest with you. If you do not like this book, you have no soul. Oh, my God. That is strong. No, it's true. (laughs) The the bonds between these kids and just watching them grow up and what they experience together. and We've all done it. We've all dug a hut or or made a clubhouse in the back of somebody's yard and just... Well, you know what I mean, and and thought we were going to rule the world, and and the the one kid wants to play guitar, wants to be in a band so bad, but his dreams don't event don't pan out the way he he expected. So his life, from rock star wannabe to manager of a quickie mart slash liquor store. I mean, and he's he now he has to watch his sister's child because she's. God knows where in this mysterious organization, one of his friends committed suicide, and they found this this sigil next to 
you know, the body and a professor of robotics died under mysterious circumstances and the sigil was there. It's, it's really involved, but it's really cool. You got to read it. I would not shit you. That or, that or, um, um, Gio. Well, I mean, Gio's only going to be tops 20 bucks for you. You're in for an investment. How about this? I will let you read my, my copies. Oh, that's, uh, fair. I have the first two volumes. I would let you read them, and then if you think it's good enough to buy, you make that decision. But I think you're going to do it, because this is really well-done comics. Don't even call it manga, because it's not manga. It's comics, and it's damn good. David, save oh, us. September. Yeah, this is Darryl. Coming back from the East Coast Comic Con. It was cool. Met Jamal Engel. Talked to some other new underground... What was his name? I go. I go. I'm sorry. Daryl, come back to bed, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta go. Daryl, go. I'll call you back. Get her, Daryl. Fuck it. Hey, Daryl. Um, you know, I just had a moment of looking at the back of the prices on these hardcover trades and wondering why they're so fucking expensive for like three issues. Even not even just the hardcover, but the Secret Invasion books. We have three issues of these shits and they're charging 14 or $15 for these trades. And I'm trying to figure out why with three issues and one little reprinted old story. Why are they charging $15? They did that with the Thor. They did that with the Fantastic Four. Secret Invasion stuff. Why would you... To me, that's considered price gouging. Why would you do shit like that when they are only worth about maybe 10 maybe $11? You don't need all that extra stuff in the back. Meaning a reprinted story that most of us already have already. So I just don't understand what's the purpose of that. You know that you know Marvel and DC does stuff like that with the overpriced. They did it with the the uh, Superman, the first three issues of the Superman run that uh, James Robinson did made as a hardcover. The thing is $19.99. Three issues and one little um, backup story with Samson. Not even a Superman story, it's a Samson story. I'm trying to figure out. I mean, I know why they do the the hardcover trades because the libraries and I work at one, so I know that they prefer hardcover trades to regular trades. But if that's the case, why would you charge such a high price for them? That just doesn't make any sense to me. Don't you want more people to buy them? So I, I, I don't get it. All right, I'm out. Later. Fuck you. Okay, this is Darren. Now, I, I, I prejudged the Hulk, the Red Hulk by Lobe and McGinnis. So I went and I got the first trade of it. 
And after reading, reading the book, all I can say is, what the fuck is Jeff Lowe smoking? And why did Marvel let him do this shit? How the hell you going to punch the Watcher? How the fuck you going to punch the Watcher? How is Red Hulk going to punch the Watcher, beat up She-Hulk, and beat the hell out of Thor? And the hammer, a magic hammer. Now, Thor is more powerful than he's ever been because he has some of the Odin, some of Odin's power in him, right? The Odin son, the power is in, inside of him. How the hell did the Red Hulk beat him up? I don't care he was in space and he lifted the hammer and all that bullshit. How did he take a face full of Thor's hammer? And the thing lighted, and it didn't do nothing. It didn't hurt him at all. It would even hurt the Hulk. What? The, what? I, I don't know. I don't get it. It looks nice. It's drawn nice. But is this a damn satire? How do he punch the Watcher? The fucking Watcher can make him disappear if he wanted to. How the fuck he gonna beat up the Watcher? That shit wasn't funny. It was just stupid. I don't know. Well, it's the Windy City Comic Con that's coming up in September, and I heard we had a couple a couple of new guests. Yeah, yeah. any new guests, Chris? Um, Tony Moore, yes. uh, Shane White, Wood. and two very special guests, <laughs> Vince B oh. and David Price. Oh, damn snap. it! Snap. <laughs> Take three. <laughs> no, they don't take fucking three. Actually, I'm, I'm hoping, I, I, have to, I have to. I got to get on uh, Chris Somney's, uh sketch list. I got to get a poison. Why don't you guys just mad. fucking yeah? Just because just, on his website he says he's not currently taking commissions. Well, uh, we'll take care of you. We can talk about you all coming. Tell Matt and Sarah and Dave not to fucking worry about it. I got I got your spot. Right. Well, we'll 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 get into that later. That's something for off off the air, but anyway, it's going to be hopping, and it's in it September. Is. What's the exact date? Uh, September nineteenth. September nineteenth. Ten yep. days after. Ten days after the greatest day ever. What's your wedding anniversary? It's probably his birthday or something. There you go. Right. Ah, what the birthday birthday present for you? A little birthday. It's the David Price birthday party convention. <laughs> yeah, there you in go. Yeah, Chicago. That rolls off your tongue. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm 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 getting jazzed about it. So yeah, go check out the website. Everybody knows where it is. But uh, yeah, it'll be fun. It's, say last time I mentioned that I wanted to thank people for sending me stuff. Well, I have a list. There you go. It's not a big list, but it's a fun list, and I have to thank these people. Ronald Reagan on the forum sent me the Modox Eleven limited series. Oh, let me know how that is. I'm dying to read it. Is that yes. a trade? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is trade. Yeah, oh, I think so, so, but I have this. Traded. It's a Marvel miniseries. Yeah, Marvel miniseries. <laughs> he sent me the singles. I'm going to read that because okay. it's Fred Van Linty, and I like him. It and is. I'm going to talk about it one of these uh, probably next episode. Um, Ford, our buddy from Australia. Australia sent me a package. He's in all, all kinds of crazy. Yeah, I got an Australian copy of Erie Number 1, Ooh. a, a uh, Dell reprint of the, I guess it's the Australian Dell reprint of the Valley of Guanji movie comic. Remember that? The Valley of Guanji? Stop motion animated dinosaurs and cowboys? You don't remember? 
Nobody has seen Valley of Gone. All right. Uh, he gave me a boatload of Uncle Scrooge and Disney Duck comics. These are the Australian versions of them. Mm-hmm. And a CD by Jemima Jemima. You heard part of it last week during the show's outro. It All was right, really yeah. cool. Yeah. And he even gave me, uh, on the letter that he sent inside of the package, he drew me a picture of the demon. Wow. He's, nice. He said, I hope this motley package uh, finds you well and provides a bit of fun, if nothing else, for it. And it's a picture of the demon. And it's really cool. Yeah. Bitch. And Mr. Matt from Howell, H-O-W-L, was kind enough to pick me up a copy of the free comic book day release from Tugboat Press, Teenage Dinosaur, and Sparkplug Comics, the Bird Hurdler comic, remember? Yeah, uh-huh. The Turd Burglar? What? No, no. Nerd Burglar was last year's. This year's, it's Bird Hurdler. And he not only was he nice enough to pick me up a copy of this comic, mm-hmm. he got it signed by two of the participants. Lisa Rosalie Eisenberg drew a little head sketch and and signed it. And Andre, I think it's Andres Arp. Really good. He did a story. uh, This happened on an Amtrak train from New York City to North Carolina. It's a pretty cool little story. And he signed it and drew a little picture in the book. You are much loved. I am. See that? And I just want to say thank you to everyone who sent me stuff. That's awesome. I appreciate it and I love you for doing it. And I'm going to talk about Bird Hurdler next week because it has a story in here by Theo Ellsworth, the guy who won the Zurich Award uh-huh. and produced the Capacity graphic novel. I'm going to talk about Capacity, which is freaking phenomenal, and Bird Hurdler next week. Cool. I was going to talk about them this week, but my Cerebus got bumped from last week to this week, so I'm going to talk about Cerebus this week. Yeah, J- Jason's going to have the read a fucking love letter next week to the person that sent him a bunch of shit. Yeah. Uh, I think so. Uh, real quick, speaking of shout out, just want to uh, mention uh, last week I totally talked out of my ass uh, when Vince asked a question about uh, Xavier and the McCran Crystal. Uh, as is often the case uh, when you read as many fucking comics as I read, you have a tendency to smush things together and forget that they were actually separate instances. So I combined two X events into one when I explained to Vince what happened to Xavier. Oh, and no. And so, uh, so uh, a listener uh, by the name of Trevor Chapman, who goes by right. Ratniff, Ratniff on the uh, forums, uh, dropped me an email and just uh, said he loves the show and so forth. Somebody did correct me, and he's totally right. So, Vince, in answer to your question, it's two separate events. Uh, Xavier gets pushed in the McCran Crystal, and he goes in there with Darwin, uh, and that's what keeps him alive because Darwin has to the to the crystal to keep him alive. But that's where he gets his powers back because he had lost them with uh, during M Day. So he's his powers back, and then he loses his memory when he gets shot accidentally or 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 quasi accidentally by Bishop uh, at the at during the um, the uh, uh, Messiah. Uh, uh, what is it? The Messiah? Complex. What was it called? Yeah, yeah. Messiah so, complex. Now, did you yeah. say Trevor Chapman? Yeah. Okay, because I got a message. From Trevor Chapman too, saying oh, okay. pretty much, yeah, cool. Beep, yeah, beep. I, you you know you weren't that far off. Well, no, I just combined the two into one. I, I I'd forgotten yeah. about that they were two separate things. But uh, yeah, props to him for for clarifying. And I, and, uh, I think someone on the uh, the forum as well, the episode fifty seven thread actually uh, also uh, right. posted the same thing. So thanks to them as well. And I just want to say, if you have sent us a voicemail, do not fret; it will appear. But we are way, way behind. We have a queue of like 35 voicemail messages 
that Oof. when you put like maybe top seven or eight in in a, in, a, in uh, an average show, it's going to take you know at least three episodes to get to yours if you have sent it recently. So bear with us. We're, we're getting these things like crazy lately. I don't know what the deal is, but nice. after you this know, episode, we, I don't know. <laughs> we could use some uh, iTunes. Yeah. Couldn't we? Yeah, we could use a couple, couple, two, three iTunes review would would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Not that we would ever, I don't know, want to like be discerning in what voicemails we play. No, there is no discerning. This is all. We play this is all reality time. podcasting. I play all of the voicemails, and in fact, there was a comment this week about quality control or the lack <laughs> thereof, and. uh and yeah, I, I do. I just think it's fun just to throw <laughs> them in there without without uh, censure. Just drop them in. We're we're gonna end up with like hundreds of hours of voicemails that will go way beyond our capacity to ever play. So we'll just have to pl- have to include special all voicemail episodes then. Oh, all yeah. voicemail episodes will be awesome. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. As Daryl would say, "Bucket, bucket." Yeah, Daryl makes an appearance. Uh, uh, damn beer! I can't even speak. <laughs> Daryl makes an appearance this week because oh, he wasn't with us. Yeah, he There's wasn't with us last week. Nope, no Templar. He's got his own shit. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we gotta have a talk, Matt. His own podcast. We gotta have a talk. I I busted him on <sighs> on Twitter last week saying, I, I, now that you're a big podcast star, are you gonna be too big for?" Uh, to leave his voicemails and he dropped me oh no way of course i'm always gonna leave you guys voicemails two weeks in a row matt two weeks in no. a row buddy no i you know in, in his defense he did leave us one uh last week i think but it's it's oh, okay. the marlon brando thing again it's like he's not even trying he's saving oh. all his good material for his stuff <laughs> see how it works i, I, I give i give him, i give him three weeks no, that's all right. You know, they grow up so fast and they leave and they forget. <laughs> Sal stole, stole Templar away from us. Uh, hey, can I give some props to Marvel? Uh, there goes wow. the drinking. I yes, I w- I'm going to give props to Marvel, too, after you give props to That's my. All I right. I was at the comic shop last week, and in my bag, for free, I got a nifty little Marvel reading chronology 2009. Did you guys get this? Oh, yes, we did. I put it up on the forum. Yep. Well, I don't go there. Um, <laughs> so anyone that doesn't go to the forum and read Vince's post, um, they had David a really, a really cool uh, reading order for all of Marvel's major characters. So if you are interested in diving into the history of a particular character or know someone that is like... Iron Man or Thor or Black Panther or Spider-Man or the Hulk or any group like the Avengers or X-Men or uh, whatever, you can pick this up and it gives you like all of the current collected editions and um, their reading order and how you can jump in. And I thought that was very, very smart of Marvel to do that. You know that book that you do you have it in your hands now as you're talking to us? I sure do. Okay, that book that you have in your hands is a Marvel Saga book sans the text. Remember oh. how you said those Marvel Saga books? Bah, that, well, yeah, yeah, what they no, would do is... No, 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 no. Okay, okay. It's free. Yes. So it's just a guide, and they're not going to put this in a trade to pad the page count and charge... Oh, I get you. Okay. You know, but that's, not, that's, they, that's they, the they, stuff they, that... It, 
they're not going to take Marvel Saga um, Annihilation and make like a 12-page history of, of written text of Annihilation and put it in a Nova trade with only four <laughs> issues and charge you for a six-issue price. All right, but they, some of that information that is in that book that you're holding in your hands is taken from the Saga books. They just tweaked it a little bit for this all-inclusive chronology book. So it's, it, it's just, the Saga it, things do have, their, do have their uses. The Saga things do have their uses whenever they use them in an underhanded, devious way to pad the page count and charge more for a trade paperback than didn't, not so useful. Didn't you say you are going to be kinder, gentler? Chris Neeson. I'm giving them fucking props and you're fucking baiting <laughs> Listen to you. I'm not baiting you. I'm just having a good time. The world that would piss Chris off. What do you think about this? <laughs> All right. So I did you, the, you, I, you... I thought that was great that they did that. I did too. And I, that's why I said on the forum dot bullpenbulletinpodcast.com or www.11oclockcomics.com I said the same thing. I said this is so cool because what we do need in this industry, and I don't care what anybody says, we need new readers to you know help things along, and this is the perfect thing. I don't know, where do I go to read Fantastic Four stories? I really like that movie. Well, there you go. Follow this little, <laughs> you know, start with the, the Kirby stuff and enjoy yourself. I was working as a waitress in a cocktail bar. That much is true. But even then I knew I'd find a much better place Either with or without you The five years we have had have been such good times I still love you But now I think it's time I lived my life on my own I guess it's just what I must do You know what? I wanted to give Marvel a little bit of props, too, because I finally got around to reading the free comic book day book, Mm -hmm. uh, The Avengers. Mm -hmm. And I will say to Mr. BMB, good on you. See, you can do done in one stories. This was more enjoyable than some of the books I paid for this month. Wow. Yes, I thought it was great. A little, great little done in one story. You had action, and that's the thing. You had the typical snarky banter and the, 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 the inside jokes and stuff, but you didn't just have characters sitting around watching TV. You had them actually doing stuff and yeah, talking at the same hard. time. Oh man, Chung is, he's, he's beautiful. He, he's really got, he is the modern day Jose Garcia Lopez. And I'm not saying in style, I'm saying, Garcia Lopez pretty much defined the character's appearance during the period that he was in charge of, you know, doing those model sheets. I think Jim Chung is the dude they're they're using as the go-to man for current Marvel because he is mapping out the look of a lot of characters. Or is that yeah. just me? No, I think you're right. He's on. He, I think he did the cover art for uh, like that Marvel Chronicles book. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say like most of the licensed stuff but yeah you will see his uh his art his drawings on uh on a, a lot of things stuff. like that yeah yeah and and again props to bendis this thing flowed really well it was a good story i just have one little eensy teensy problem with this issue i think 
uh-huh. Peter's voice was a little bit too young. Oh, okay. This, this is not a th- the, the 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 just the, the narrative in this book. It doesn't sound like it came from a thirty-something-year-old man. It sounds like maybe like a twenty-something, you know. But other than that, I mean, that's a minor little quibble. This is a great little issue, done in one too, and it matters. They got the Twilight Sword. Ass was kicked, you know. Thor. If it leads somewhere, great. If it doesn't, the joy was in this story. Mm-hmm. I and liked it a lot. What, what did you think of the form factor, which is obviously the controversial part of it? I love the size. Love it. Love it, really. That's I love it. Yes. Um, love- why? Because it. If they could keep comics two ninety nine, and I know that's a long shot, and that's use this good. size, I think that's a big, that that's a, a, an acceptable sacrifice to make. There's, I mean, how much well, more paper about, do you need? Okay, but what about? Um, what about three ninety nine and that size? No, uh-uh. no, not happening. If if they're going to charge me three ninety nine for a book this size, I'll kick in another four dollars and go buy a manga volume and get a couple hundred pages. That's uh, it's not going to work. No. What did you guys think of the size, David? Chris, I didn't mind the size. I didn't care. You didn't care. Nah. And I got another. Speaking of more Marvel tie-in. Uh, information. Did anyone happen to take a look at the Viz Shonen Jump free comic book day book? No. Anybody? No. There's a story in here by Stan Lee. Like four stories or four stores looking for it. it was oh, cool. you did? <laughs> no. No? <laughs> it, there's a Stan Lee story in here and I'm sure that it's not written by him. They're probably just paying for his name. But mm-hmm. whatever the case, it, it's called Karakuri Doji Ultimo. It's about these two cyborg children that were created a thousand years ago, and blah, blah, blah. It is the most androgynous Japanese character I have seen in a long, long time, and that's saying a lot, because the Japanese are really hot on that androgyny stuff. It looks like a girl, and it's a dude. Stan, I don't get it. You, you saw the pictures I put up on the website? I, yes, I did. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, Tell me uh, that does not look like a girl. The Japanese fruit with Pat. And there's even a there's even a Japanese version of Stan Lee in the book, really? which is really disturbing because he commits seppuku. He he commits suicide. Mm-hmm. He creates this character, this cyborg uh, boy and a bad cyborg boy, and then he then he commits suicide right in front of the reader. So you're watching Stan Lee kill himself. Which is kind of huh. disturbing and kind of gratifying in another way, but um, so yeah, just free comic book day, Shonen Jump, weird Stanley stuff that I'm probably going to follow because I just want to see how androgynous it could possibly get. It looks like a girl to me. Whatever. There you go. All right, what else we got? Well, I want to give a little props to Marvel on the all ages side of things. Uh. This evening, before we recorded, uh, I usually read my boys a bedtime story, and they said, Hey, Daddy, can we read that Lockjaw comic again? Oh, really? And I said, Sure, we can. So, I'm not sure uh, if this book was written with the intention of being uh, appealing to all ages, but Lockjaw and the Pet Avengers came out, um, I think, what, two weeks ago? And it was written by Chris Eliopoulos. Uh, it, 
the pencils are by uh, I don't know this artist prior to this book and the, uh, their name is Ig Guara I don't know if that's a man or a woman so I apologize and I don't know if they've done anything else that I should know them from Marvel Adventures uh, work okay okay well that would make some sense actually um, Chris Sotomayor and Colleen Coover um, do the uh, the uh, the rest of the work um, oh you know who Colleen Coover's married to no writer Paul Tobin oh interesting and she has been uh, given a green light to do some writing for Marvel also, but I digress. Oh. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So um, this book had me at the solicit. Uh, it basically is Lockjaw and a bunch of the um, pets or pet, pet-like pet creatures from the Marvel Universe getting together for an adventure. Uh, I figured it would be good, campy, fun, and that's exactly what it was. But the art, way more impressive than I expected it to be. Beautiful stuff. Very expressive. Um, and the story was was a kick. I mean, it's very simple. It's not you know very complex. The premise is basically that the uh, the Infinity Gems, um, Thanos, you know, has been defeated. The Infinity Gems are gone from the Gauntlet and are and are all across the universe. Reed Richards uh, thinks they need to track them down so they don't get in the wrong hands. And no sooner is he telling Black Bolt that than uh, that Lockjaw digs up uh, one of the gems and accidentally swallows it. So every time, so so Lockjaw gets uh, hears the conversation, decides he's going to get a team together of uh, of of uh, pet like creatures to help him track down the rest of the gems uh, and protect them from evil sources. So he the, this first issue is sort of like I don't know about you guys, but one of my I always had a fondness for those uh, you know the uh, the campy you know cowboy or campy kung fu movies where. You know, they have some kind of blood feud, and they need to get the, the the band of the gang back together for for an adventure. This is very evocative of that, right? Lockjaw tracks down uh, these characters to go on this quest with him. That's basically what the issue is, and he tracks down um, the cover. A lot of people got excited because the cover has uh, a thunder frog on it. So people, I think, thought that that was like the uh, the, the Simonson Thor frog. It's actually a new character named Throg. Which uh, basically, uh, he was a, uh, a he was a dude who got turned into a frog. He was part of the same frog group that uh, that that Thor uh, protected when he was a frog. And through uh, a sliver of Mjolnir, he uh, see look at that Mjolnir's coming up in our podcast this week too. <laughs> Sally, listening, uh, he turns into Throg. No. So it's so it's yeah. So it's Lockjaw Throg, um, Lockheed, the uh, purple alien dragon from uh, X Men fame. Um, Speedball's cat, who goes by Hairball, hilariously enough, and has the same powers. Uh, and Falcon's um, uh, Red Falcon. Uh, what's what's the Falcon's name? Um, Red Wing. Red Wing. Yep, Red Wing. And then uh, Miss Lion. Who you don't I want to know Ant- how he got that name. Well, now Miss Lion no. is that. Oh. Ant- is is Miss Lion Aunt May's uh, from the cartoon? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Miss Lion is Aunt May's uh, little dog who doesn't have any powers, but but gets recruited as well. And basically, uh, in this issue, they track down the first, uh, well, the second gem, uh, and that's sort of the cliffhanger. Is they 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 go to the Savage Land and they find the second gem and uh, and leave you there. But uh, this was I was wildly entertained by it, but. My boys, who were four and six, absolutely adored it, and have asked me to read it to them three or four times already. So, um, kudos to Chris Eliopoulos, kudos to Marvel, and uh, I, for those of you who do have kids and you want to get them involved in comics in a cool way, I would definitely recommend picking up this trade when it comes out because I think this would be a perfect kids book that you won't mind reading either. So, and what's That's the cover price on that? 
two ninety nine. Another huh. reason to uh, to pick it up because it's one of the few Marvel miniseries these days that isn't three ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, have Have any of you guys read it? Not yet. It's a mini, so I'm waiting for the trade. Yeah, I've Got seen it. the seen some of the art. It's really sharp. Yeah, yeah right. it really is. The art's gorgeous. I love the and, uh, the homage cover to the fourth issue. Mm-hmm. And the the thing about the 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 animals is they all are in character too, right? Like like uh, Red Wing, since he's a falcon, he's very elitist. He doesn't want to deal with the with the <laughs> lower forms. Uh, you know, Throg speaks into these and thous, which is hilarious. Um, you know, uh, La- uh, Lockheed is just a bastard because he's just he's so morose because you know his whole planet got destroyed and then Kitty got killed. So he just he he just is very nihilist and doesn't really see the point in life. So uh, it's a blast, man. I, I got I got to say, it's this is for all of our rants about how there needs to be more all ages comics out there. This is you know, Eliopolis is quietly you know fighting the good fight within the Marvel universe of doing that. So well, I'm glad Throg isn't a clone. <laughs> the, uh, no, the, no, and in fact, yeah, there's really they they do his origin in this book, and it's some pretty cool throwback art that uh, looks a little bit like Gabe Hardman's art, a little less less uh, detailed than Gabe's, but they do it that same kind of the way they've been doing like an Agents of Atlas, where they've been doing the throwback, um, you know, making a different artist. That, that's what they do in this too. They have the throwback to when he was a human in a in a different art style. I think it's also by by Ig, but uh, but it's you know it's it's. It evokes a uh, you know a different look, and it's pretty cool the way they do that. So, two thumbs up from the wood on that. Awesome. The woodman says, "Yay!" Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got another all ages for you. Yes, it's true. I don't hate children. Are you shocked? <laughs> That's parents you might have an issue with. And manga. Um, and manga. <laughs> uh, and Marvel. Um, G-Man came out from Image Comics. Have you guys checked this out? No. G-Man. G-Man, Warning to Fly, is the first trade paperback, and it is a digest size. It is from Chris Giarusso. Oh, really? Who did Mini Marvels? Yes. Yes. Right, right, right. right, right. Okay. This is his um, creator-owned image series called G-Man, and Mm -hmm. it is um, very Our gang I guess it, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 basically the little rascals, but with superpowers, mm-hmm. and is a lot of fun. It's uh, it's perfect for your um, probably your your five to uh, five to seven year olds and or thirty six year olds that have nothing better to fucking do with their time. Um, I was very entertained by this. It, can you feel uh, the love? Yeah, can you feel the love? <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, uh, great, definitely awesome for the the uh, sons and daughters and nieces and nephews, and it's nine ninety nine for the for the first digest trade. And uh, yeah, I, I guess that's the the best comparison I give is uh, it's it's our gang with uh, with superpowers, and it was it was very good. About one hundred and twenty eight pages around there, something like that. Yeah, oh, cool. It not was bad. enough to be. It was enough to be entertaining, but not so daunting as to um, scare young children away with its with its girth. Okay. It was, <laughs> it was. It is. It is a manageable size to fit into a young person's backpack or um, fanny pack container. What's up, 11 o'clockers? It's Haas. Greg Rucker's number one fan. 
I got a question for Chris Neesman. Mr. Neesman, did you ever read Rucker's, Mr. Rucker's run on Wolverine? If not, then you really can't consider yourself a fan, can you? Or how about the story he did on the Spider-Man Tangled Web Series? Service package. Would you read that? If you didn't, I don't think you're a fan. By the way, you're one of my friends on Facebook. Facebook. You should figure out which one I am. Later. Bye. What's up, 11 o'clockers? It's Haas. Just wanted to say hi. And send a little message out for Mr. Neesman. Chris, I'm taking your place as Rucker's number one fan. Hope you're okay with that. If not, there's really nothing you can do about it. I have him on my Facebook page. We chat every once in a while. We chat about you, actually. I told him I'm taking your place. He seems pretty fine with it. So, that's cool. Also, Chris, have you ever read... Ah, sorry. Have you ever read Rucker's Run on Wolverine? Uh, you never talk about it. How can you be a Rucker fan and not mention his run on Wolverine? I don't really think you're a fan, Chris. I think you're a poser. I think you're a poser. Also, did you read his Tangle Web story that he wrote? Severage Package? You never talk about that either, Chris. Yeah, I got your number, Chris. Look out. There is a... Well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep going with the all ages for a minute. Wow, it's and a I'll, theme. And, Look at and that. I'll go back. I'll, I'll go back to Marvel. Um, I recently read the first volume of the Marvel Adventures Fantastic Four Digest, titled "Family of Heroes." Mm-hmm. It's the first four issues, all four written by Jeff Parker, so you know they're great. Uh, pencils by uh, Carlo Paligman, who you know from uh, Agents of Atlas these days, and, and uh, Scar, son of Hulk, right? Yes, well, well, Planet Hulk, or when yeah, during, during I think he did some issues during Planet Hulk, and uh, and he did a few other things before getting the uh, Ages of Atlas work. The and the final issue I believe is penciled by uh, Juan Santa Cruz, inks by uh, Raúl Fernandez in the last issue, and uh, Jeffrey Hewitt in the first three over uh, Pagulian. But aside from each story being done in one uh they take on the scrolls they take on uh diablo who i always get a kick out of uh annihilus and uh and a sentinel the fourth story which is the one where a sentinel appears to be after the fantastic four but of course we know who sentinels hunt so obviously they're not this robot this android is not after them they cut to a um when it looks like the Fantastic Four are losing their powers, they cut to a newscast, and there is a doctor there that looks just like Doctor Waldorf from Dark Knight Returns, who had the it was the the Adolf Hitler looking dude with the afro. Oh sure, the, jo- the Joker psychiatrist mm-hmm. looks just like him, and he's being interviewed by someone who appears to look like Clark Kent. Now I always thought. That he was supposed to resemble the psychiatrist in Mash. Remember, the, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I was his name? That. Was his name Lenny? Oh, geez, I forget his name. I know the, exactly. The, his yeah, name. the Jewish psychiatrist. In, yeah, in, in, uh, yeah. Um, but he uh, or uh, an older Gabe Kaplan. But no, he he just he uh, 
it, it, it just struck me funny. Out of everything in this book, it's an all ages book designed for kids, and there are two char- and there's a character in here who's more famous for being in a in a grim and gritty yeah. mature reader's book. But every there's an appearance by Doctor Strange. Yay! It's just it's it's really cool the way they um you could just pick up an issue and and run with it. I'm I'm going to start the second volume, but uh, you know I'm. I enjoy the, the Marvel Adventures books only because I like to know what I can give to my my coworkers, kids, and uh, and like I said, stories are, are done in one, so you can pick up any issue. The uh, I've read the Avengers books, uh, the Spider Man Marvel Adventures, and and I know Vince loves Patrick Sherberger. Love and he, Patrick Sherberger. Yeah, and he does a kick ass Spider Man, but. Um, if you if you see the if there's only four issues in there, but man, between the art and the story Parker writes, they uh, they're really packed in these little digests. If you see them, I, I definitely recommend them. I love done in one stories. I love them, and I wish there were more of them. This yeah. this Bendis Avengers thing with Jim Chung, it it it's it made me happy, but it also was bittersweet because you don't see that every day. Mm-hmm. Jonah Hex should be the norm, not not the, uh, you know the the, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Every the book should the exception. Yeah, damn beer. Uh, why can't we have more done in ones? Why? Is it against uh, the strategy of the companies? Does it not sell more because, comics? Because done in ones break up the flow of a trade. They need to collect it. Yeah. Well, collect five done in ones. What the hell's the difference? I would think so. Like you can and, and for something. You could do a theme, right? You could do a done in one that leads to an overarching story, but having five separate done in one chunks. That's what's wrong with that. Well, speaking of that, the um, yeah. Chris mentioned the Marvel Mystery Comics, the those series of one shots that are flashing back to the celebrating the seventy year history of Marvel. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about that. That I that's actually a trade I, I think I, I might pick up because those I did look through a few of them today. Uh, Midtown. I didn't buy them because they're three ninety nine, and I I just still have an issue with that for the the one shots of the minis. But yeah. they are gorgeous. I mean, Chris Burnham does an issue. Mitch Breitweiser does an issue. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking how you know that obviously they're setting up for a pretty nice, probably prestige hardcover of of all of those combined, and that would be great. I would definitely buy that. You know, to have a thematic because it's all you know. There's Namor and the Human Torch and some of the other Atlas heroes. In in one shot adventures, that would be awesome. So you're yeah. kind of getting what you're asking for there, right? I mean, that's kind of what you're talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. So I love one and done comics, but I mean, there there's a time and a place for them, and it comes down to what we've talked about before, and that is write a story for as long as it needs to be to be entertaining. Now, if that's one mm-hmm. issue, that's great. If it's 140 issues or 22 volumes or whatever craziness Vince was talking about earlier, then... then, then, then. See, see I, yeah, you're right. I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are put off by the size of manga series. Well, oh, if, that's what it, if that's what it takes to write an entertaining series, then that's the right, right. creative choice. But it, what that corresponds to in american terms if you have a 22 mm-hmm. volume manga series like say say naruto that thing is like on volume close to volume 50 that's a lot of pages of comics but that corresponds to say the first 200 issues of amazing spider-man it's just they just 
read them in different formats than mm-hmm. we do. But it's the same thing. I mean, it, I don't understand why people get put off when you have something that's 22 volumes, but they'll jump into a series that's 150 issues long. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know? But anyway, I'm sorry, Chris. Go ahead. No, no. That, that was the whole point. It's just, you know, I, I love one-and-done stories, but if you know, I don't want a story to be cut short because it needs to fit into a 22-page um format but you know it's 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 the whole thing it's just make make the story as long as it needs to be in for its entertainment value so you know i i don't think that i i do feel that sometimes stories get stretched out to hit a certain page count for trades and that's just this weird place that we're at in the industry of trying to fit the single issue and the trade paperback market to serve each other but you said earlier i think that collecting five issues or six issues of one and done stories makes for a really nice collection shit jonah hex has been doing it for a few years now Mm -hmm. i don't see any any problem with that i i like reading jonah hex in trade even if they are one and done issues and you know uh, it's a lot harder to write a done in one story, so I can understand why some writers may shy away from that format because you have to be on top of your game. It, it's every word, every bit of dialogue has to matter. You can't just have an offhand comment here and there. You know, when you have the luxury of six issues, then you can do that. You can have people sitting in front of a TV set talking about stupidity when you have six issues to tell a story. When you have one. You're not going to have them sitting around doing nothing. It's yeah, all going to matter. I, I, I would, I won't disagree with you, but I, I won't say it's the hardest thing to do in comics. I think writing a a huge epic run and keeping your continuity together and keeping your overall plan together is and keeping your voice consistent throughout. I think that is a monumental achievement. Uh, we, right it's going to be a beautiful segue, so keep going. Well, we're doing the the hundred days of a hundred bullets, that's and right. that's that is giving me a huge appreciation for what Brian Azzarello and Eduardo Rizzo and and the other the other creators that were on that series what they were able to accomplish with that. And this is going to be going on for a few months, so I'm not going to beat a dead horse every week as we're as we're doing this. But um, even what 13, 14 issues in as we are now, it's like wow. Even in that short of amount of issues from the hundred issue run, they're they're already referencing in issue thirteen stuff that was going on in in the first story arc that, and it's done in very subtle ways, but it's very conscious. So yeah, it's but there are also one shot stories in that series that are one and dones. But they add to the overall picture, and I, mm-hmm. I fucking eat that shit up. I love it. I have an example of an ongoing series that's three times the length of 100 Bullets. Ah, uh, go for it. Yes, and this illustrates the pitfalls of doing a 300 issue series. Obviously, I'm talking about Cerebus. Yes, Dave, sir. Dave, Dave Sim <laughs> and Gerhard have pulled off. A pretty much, I one would think an impossible task. Three hundred consecutive issues by the same writer, same artist, and featuring the the same character. It's 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 a milestone in comics, and 
it is regarded, at least as far as I'm concerned, it is one of the best series ever to come out of comics. But, and, and I used to think this was my fault. I used to think the problem was with myself. I have read for this week the penultimate volume of Cerebus. It's called Latter Days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it uh, collects Cerebus two sixty six to two eighty eight. Now, uh, and how do I put this? Um, I read this three times. This is my third read through on this book, only because I think when one completes three hundred consecutive issues of a comic book, they are deserving of the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Got it. After the third read, I, I still walked away from this with the same impression. If there is one instance in those 300 issues where Dave Sims stumbles and falls, it's latter days. It's okay. really tough to get through. The, the short of it, I won't go into detail because a lot of stuff happens in, in this book, and I really don't think it's deserving of going into detail. Uh, the short of it is, Latter Days is Dave Sim working his demons out on the subjects of religion and women. That's what Latter Days is. Mm-hmm. So this is the massage where the misogyny stuff comes into play. No, well, yes and no. I mean, well, women I mean, where the alleged where he starts. Not really. No, the, it's it's no. more concerned with religion. So there, where does the massage? I've only read the first, I think, three phone books of. So where does the misogyny uh, stuff start? Okay, there, there's, there's a point in this story where Cerebus, who has mm-hmm. been uh, prime minister, he's been pope, he is now the ruler of this little city-state, let's call it, where um, they periodically... See, the, there, there's a, a group of fascist... Uh, there's a fascist oligarchy called, they're, they're named Cyrenists after Cyrin, which is one of the three aardvarks on Estarcion. That's where Cerebus, that's the, the place where Cerebus lives. There's Cerebus, Cyrin, and Suentis Po, which doesn't really matter. But anyway, so there's this fanatical female religion that takes great pains to stomp out anything, I don't want to say masculine, but, uh, anything untoward that they deem not wholesome, they're on it like a bonnet. And Cerebus comes out of the last storyline. He, he's not quite right in mind and body. Uh, there was a very disastrous event in the previous volume that has left Cerebus wanting to kill himself. So, so the whole point of this, the, the first half of this book is Cerebus wants a Cyrenus to kill him. So he's trying to get the attention of the Cyrenus. He ultimately opens a titty bar. That is completely verboten with these wackos. Stripping, uh, objectifying women's bodies, uh-uh, it's not happening. So he gets abducted by, at the very last moment, as soon as the Cyrenus is bearing down on this titty bar, he gets abducted by the three wise fellows. And if you know of Dave Sims' penchant for parody, their, their names are Mosher, Losher, and Kosher. They're the Three Stooges. Okay? <laughs> so so they are devout um, believers in the book of Rick, which Rick was a prophet who said Cerebus was the one true Cerebus, and he would usher the people into a new age, which eventually happens. Cerebus becomes the ruler of this little city-state, and the men are, are crazy for him, but the women are occasionally rounded up 
because we don't know if there's any Syrianists hiding. The women are occasionally rounded up, and the men vote on whether they're acceptable or non-acceptable. And the ones that are non-acceptable are killed. And the ones that are acceptable, the men go out and build little houses for them, because that's all the women really want, are nice little houses that they can call their own and clean. See, that's where the kind of Dave Sim attitude comes into it. The really, really hot women, but the undesirable ones are called, are, are put into this place called Fruitcake Park. And this is a direct precursor to Glamourpuss. I didn't okay. notice it. I didn't notice it at the time of, of, I read it, but going back and reading it the third time and seeing what he did. Oh, he did. Because, and I have tagged the page, there's 50 pages of notes that follow this story in, in, the, in the trade. But he says, one of, the, one of my favorite parts of Cerebus was drawing the girls of Fruitcake Park. Uh, I think I had about 400 more girls of Fruitcake Park than I could fit in 40 pages, let alone three. It gave me an excuse to buy copies of L and Teen People. Then I turned over my photo reference to Gerhard and let him do blah, blah, blah. When people ask me if I have anything planned after Cerebus, this is about all that comes to mind. Cute teenage girls in my best Al Williamson photorealistic style. Interesting, Dave, but what would the book be about? I just told you. Cute teenage girls in my mm-hmm. best Al, Al Williamson photorealistic style. Huh, I, I think, Yeah, I think if anything story-wise, which isn't likely to happen, I'll let you know. So, and it, all it is is a montage of beautiful girls ripped from fashion magazines and in his inimitable tracing Dave Sim style. Hey, 11 o'clock comics. This is Joey, uh, Never Wanderer from the forum. Uh, I'm just calling because uh, I was driven to action by uh, two things, few things. Uh, first, there was Vince's aborted attempt at an all-manga episode of the uh, show, and uh, the message board thread that sprung from that where people proceeded to bash the shit out of manga, uh, and I hate them all for it and uh, wish death upon their families. But I'm kidding. I don't mean that. But uh, uh, that and also uh, I've listen, been listening to the archives, and I heard... Uh, a challenge that was issued forth to Chris uh, about uh, somebody saying that he should read a certain manga that would be the perfect manga that would capture his attention and completely change his mind and blow his hair back. Um, I haven't listened to the episode after it, so I could be a little too late, but I don't care because I felt like leaving a message. So I'm calling to talk to you about a little comic called Domu. It's by Katsuhiro Otomo, the creator of Akira, and um, it was a, a three-issue miniseries that uh, he did. Uh, Dark Horse uh, published it in the U.S. And it is sort of a psychological horror murder mystery sort of smorgasbord of cool, awesome shit. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about it. First of all, let's get straight down to the story. Um, it is about uh, an apartment complex in Japan that uh, is being stalked, uh, plagued, if you will, by a series of mysterious deaths uh, followed by mysterious robberies. And nobody can really seem to find what the connection is between all these different uh, occurrences. Basically, uh, what it ends up being, and I don't want to go into too much detail because part of the fun of the story is finding out exactly what it is that's going on. Um, what it eventually ends up being is uh, a battle of psychic wits uh, between uh, two beings with these extrasensory powers that are sort of fighting for dominance, I guess you could say, in this place. Um, There's lots of uh, kind of horrific 
images, and, and, and it's sort of a horror book, really. It's sort of su- similar to like the sort of stuff that Satoshi Kon does. If you're an anime fan, you know what I'm talking about. Um, basically, it's... Uh, well, let's go back to the beginning. Let's talk about theme, okay? The theme is partially about being trapped, feeling trapped in the... the in the state that you're in in your life. A lot of the stuff that happens in the comic deals with the background characters, you know, talking about the goings-on. And you sort of built subtly up to this mystery that's forming. Um, another theme that's going on is sort of the idea that as a person gets older, they sort of get younger. Uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, you sort of lose maturity as you become an older person, and it becomes... Uh, 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 you know, somebody that, that becomes an old person can sort of lose touch. You know, the id sort of takes over and you sort of lose touch with what's uh, important in life and you sort of get the perspective and the immaturity of a small child. Um, basically, that's that's sort of the, the things that, that uh, Otomo's playing with and sort of weaving together in this, this tapestry. And uh, I'm saying, oh, Jesus, I should have planned this a little better. Um, sorry for torturing you all. Basically, what I wanted to get to eventually is art. The art. Katsuhiro Otomo art. This dude is one of the best artists uh, in the world. Uh, he deals with... Um, he can create a tone. He can create tension. He paces out action scenes that are the most kinetic things ever put on a comic book page. You know, I, I find it difficult that somebody can say negative things about manga, about that art style, when you are faced with such an amazing talent. And a lot of people probably associate him with the anime movies that he's done. Uh, obviously, he did the movie um, based on his other epic graphic novel called Akira. Uh, he's done uh, something called Steamboy, which is a really good flick. He also uh, worked on an anthology movie called Memories. The dude is pretty much known for his transition uh, in the public eye, he's known for his transition into anime. But, uh, man, the comics are where it's all at. you got to check this book out. It's published by a dark horse. Uh, I looked it up on Amazon just for this phone call. Uh, you can uh, look it up there. There's still like three new for someone on Amazon. You can buy it for like 15 bucks. It's kind of hard to track down, but it is incredibly worth it. And Chris Neesman, who is a self-proclaimed fan of horror comics, uh, you got to check this out, man. This is one of the best. Anyway, that's all. Sorry for the rambling message. I was really hoping that I'd be on game for this, but I'm tired and nervous and sweating like a pig. And this is the first impression that I make on your show. I feel awesome. Anyway, that's all. Uh, talk to you later. I found this book as kind of a letdown. The majority of the book is Cerebus analyzing the Torah page after page after page of seven-point type, column after column of seven-point type of Cerebus going through every book of the Torah and explaining what it means. My problem with the series is if I invested in 280 issues of a series only to have 20 issues of a man working out his personal demons and that's the payoff... The DC were it would be a little bit of a, yep, of a yep. it, it doesn't make sense now if he wanted to do this maybe five issues ten issues somewhere within the within the series it wouldn't have bothered me but to be the penultimate volume of a three hundred issue series and mm-hmm. have the guy just psychoanalyzing himself on the comic book page it's a letdown 
and I think it's a ripoff. Personally, you think it? Do you think it went too long? That's the thing. Dave Sim has always said that he had a beginning, a middle, and an end planned for Cerebus. And you know damn well that there were pastiches on the comic book industry built into Cerebus. Like, he had the opportunity to say, in this volume, Todd McFarlane shows up. So there's a little bit of a commentary on Todd and his fearless attitude towards self-publishing. He had the luxury of having, you know, gray areas in the narrative that he can build that in. You can't tell me that having Cerebus analyze the Torah for, like, say, 10 issues was something Dave Sim planned from the beginning. Sure, it, sure. It's ridiculous. And it's not, I'll tell you the truth, it's not even comics. It's, it's just text with pretty pictures tacked on. Mm-hmm. And it's, the, again, it's the one moment in 300 issues where Dave Sim, Dave Sim stumbles and falls. But it's a big freaking pothole in 300 issues. Well, I don't know, I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, when you're... This is Cerebus getting old. Granted, mm-hmm. as one grows older, they do think about religion and God and the afterlife a hell of a lot more. Yes? So uh, it makes... It makes well, um, yeah, I'm not talking to Wood, obviously. But it, it, it makes sense that Cerebus would contemplate these things at this point in his life. But, I mean, without seeing it, you have no, you can't conceive of just how small this type is and how mm-hmm. much of it there is on the page. It is, uh, it's a word that you use, you use a lot, Wood, egregious. It is nuts mm-hmm. how much type there is in here. And... To get, again, to the misogynistic Dave Sim, Cerebus uh-huh. breaks God down into two aspects. There's the male version that created everything, right? and there's the female aspect that made the Garden of Eden and all the earthly things. The female aspect is the one that screwed up big time. That, and, and Cerebus calls the female aspect Yuhu. So there's God, and then there's God, the female aspect, known as Yuhu, okay. who really fucked everything up. So it is. It's it, it's a it's a statement on on masculinity and femininity and God, mm-hmm. and it just falls flat. There, there's a pretty the the Three Stooges part is prime Dave Sim parody. Mm-hmm. He has the the timing down of the Stooges. He has the look down. He's a master of the comic book page, and it works really well. But then it gets into this whole. Cerebus reading the Torah. It sucks. It's I, I don't like to, 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 to disparage anybody's work, especially Dave Sim. The dude is a master, but this thing with the Torah just plain, flat out sucks. It's wow, horrible. It's no, really, it is. And, and I gave him the benefit of the doubt. I read this three freaking times. I thought, okay, I'm not the biggest religious person in the world. Maybe I was not catching something that he wanted to impart to the reader read it again Mm-mm. this third time there's nothing here the, the the in in like 30 issues the highlight is watching the stooges die okay. because it's a very tender very heartfelt portrayal of the stooges and their estarsian counterparts die very much in the same vein as the real stooges like uh curly had a stroke 
and was still trying to do his stoogely duties and couldn't hack it. So they brought Shemp in, who was the original stooge, and it, you know, and so the progression of the Cerebus version of the the Wise Fellows is very close to the real Three Stooges. And when when Curly dies, I mean, Sim nailed it. The page is beautiful, and it's very touching and very heartfelt, and it's it's well done but then you have 20 40 60 80 pages of cerebus just talking about religion you want to put a bullet in your head and and uh, and it's a letdown at the end of the the penultimate cerebus story stinks well how did how did the series wrap up after that have you ever read cerebus no there's a line that dave sim has hinted and He's uh, floated through various storylines through the entire 300 issues. Cerebus will die alone, unloved, and unmourned. And that's pretty much what happens. Well, Vince, um, I mean, the one thing, I'll, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, because, again, I've only read, I guess, what probably amounts to, what, maybe a fifth of it, I guess? Mm-hmm. How many books are on it? But, um, uh, this is volume 15, and yeah, the, okay. the next one is Going Home. Yeah, it's, no, it's not Going Home. The Last Day, that's volume 16. So there's 16 have, books. Yeah, I have been fascinated by Dave Sim, though, because I think he is, <laughs> love him or hate him, he's a fascinating character. Oh, yeah. Not just for his achievement of, of his run with 300 issues, but just, again, I mean, the dude has lived, for those that don't know, just, you know, Google him tomorrow. He, he's he's a fascinating human being, and I think probably close to being certifiably insane these days. But, but uh, I mean, he's he's... He's lived a, a crazy life. He's experimented with a lot of things: his own sexuality, his views on on uh, sexist roles, religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's 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 been a. I guess he he's kind of follows his own quasi form of 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 of. It's what is it? A combination of Islam and uh, it's Islam, and Christianity, and Judaism. And, yeah, right. Yeah. He's taken facets from each of those. So I mean, he's a very very complex individual, and I think probably. Uh, at least from what I've read of him, from him, and, and in Cerebus, I think he's frankly um, all too unfairly cast aside for his obvious flaws. You know what I mean? Right. I think too many people just dismiss him out of hand when, in fact, they they do better to to actually experience some of his his stuff. I, I think the dude is a master comic book artist. Yeah, and yeah, I'm not. And think, I'm, uh, that's no hyperbole. The guy is a master. Mm-hmm. But I guess, but to, so to that point, just to play devil's advocate, um, it seems when I, I mean, I've heard him talk about Cerebus before um, on, you know, I know he's, he was on the CGS a couple times and, mm-hmm. you know, he talks very openly, but obviously you mentioned, I mean, anytime you set out to do something, but it takes you the better part of 20 years to accomplish, it's inevitable 25. that that, right, right, that that work is going to evolve as you evolve as a person. Mm-hmm. So... While I totally get and don't doubt what you're saying that it's a you know a letdown, and I could see how if you if you hung in there and bought these issues off the rack for 20 years and then you get to this and you're like what the fuck, which I think happened to a lot of his fans. Oh, a um, lot of fans, yeah. Yeah, but I guess the question is 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 it un getting back to your view on artwork? Is it unfair though to really criticize that in the sense that ha- hasn't Cerebus always been an expression of what he wants to put on the page? And what he wants to tell it's in other words, he's written the book for himself. And mm-hmm. if if he decides to make it different, is that really his fault? Or is that 
you know, it's. It, I mean, it's it's entirely up to you to continue to consume it or not, right? I mean, right. I mean, but I, you, I, as as when you set out and you establish a contract with a reader, and and you tell them from the get go, I am I am I'm here's a three hundred issue contract. <laughs> I have a story that has a beginning, middle, and an end. I will entertain uh, you for three hundred issues, and then you. Uh, what did yeah, you pull? I, that's a real. That's a. You're setting yourself up for a tremendous amount of um, teeth gnashing and tearing of sackcloth with that with that idea in mind that you have established a contract with the creator on a book. When the creator comes right out and tells you this is the duration of this series, 300 issues, boom, it's going to end in when did it end? Uh, 2002. I think here's when my series is going to end. That's it. It's a finite series. If you're in for the long haul, God bless you. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And I understood that. And, you know, and because Wood's right, Cerebus is Dave Sim. He speaks through this character. I, and more, more power to him because that's the beauty of comics. You can do that. Mm-hmm. But there's, a, and, there's, and, always, and, there's, a, there's always fan fiction. You can write it the way that you wanted it to end, and it's but it's not even writing it the way I wanted it. I would just take this whole book and do away with it because the next book has does have a lot of musings about religion in it, but it's not excessive to the point of this. I'm not kidding you when I say he he talks about religion constantly. Do you want me to read a little? Let me just no. read a little. A little. No, just I want no. you to. This no. is picture this, okay. Okay, exactly. So anyway, Lot's daughters give birth to the Moabites and the Ammonites. His daughters must have been awfully embarrassed when they came down from that cave and found out that the whole world hadn't been destroyed. Embarrassed enough, Cerebus is willing to bet, that they probably told their father that Yoo-Hoo got them both pregnant. We all laugh. And Lot was probably happy to go along with it. Yoo-Hoo got you pregnant? Let's celebrate by mutilating a cow. Glory to the Yoo-Hoo. Chapter 20, chapter 20, and it keeps going. Fucking on and on and on with that. There's thousands of words here. It's the same shit over and over and over. That's pretty entertaining if you're up on your Old Testament. But it's not (laughs) entertaining. Because Lot is a funny bastard. Okay. The wife turning to salt, that was kind of a bummer. But get this, the the whole Torah dis- discussion is juxtaposed with a Woody Allen character called Konigsberg and his problems with women and his chronic masturbation problem. And it's basically Woody Allen talking about Mia Farrow and the the daughter that he eventually has the, the romantic uh, tryst with. It's insane. Well, it's, and and at know, the end of this, there there are photos. There are Dave Sim copied photos from Ingmar Bergman and Fellini movies. <laughs> what the frig does this mean? I don't. Well, you, he was going Vince, through this insane Vince, phase. I asked, I, don't, I asked myself that thing about ninety percent of the shit that you talk about on here. <laughs> so it, it's. I understand well, what well, it means, well, but well, in terms of the. Nightmare. In well, terms of Cerebus, what the hell does this mean? He was already the the Pope. You would think he would have gone over this well, during those days as Pope. Maybe he was at a point where where religion, especially um, the Old Testament stuff, was very interesting to him. And 
I don't. I, whatever. It's, it's 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 his artistic choice to do that. It is, That's, and and it's my artistic choice as a reader to critique to this book as poop. No, I have to. I have. Look at. I I bought <laughs> Cerebus from the. I don't have the first issue, but I bought the majority of Cerebus off the rack. Right. I have all the phone books. I'm in for the long run. And really, when, when you look at it's the entirety not of the series, it's fault that you are a completist. No, it's not. But I'm saying, when you look at this chunk of Cerebus in relation to the whole 300 issues, yeah, it suffers. But when you compare this to the rest of the stuff that's done, this is pretty good comics. E- even though it, it falters and it, it doesn't perform as well as, say, High Society or Church and State, which is prime Dave Sim. It it's, doesn't compare to those, but in terms of comics and what other ke- people are are, are are compare are what other people are, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Capable of, okay? okay? There's a Spawn parody in here. There's a comic industries parody with Todd McFarlane and uh, Terry Fitzgerald. There's a uh, parody of Garth Ennis's uh, Preacher. Cerebus becomes infatuated with a comic called Rabbi, wrote, written by Garth Innocent, and that it's it's a you know it's funny and it and it works really well. Mm-hmm. And the, the the parody of Woody Allen and the Three Stooges. So there are good little nuggets of of beautiful Dave Sim, traditional Dave Sim Cerebus comics. The dialogue is spot on. Dave Sim is a master of dialogue. He's a fantastic cartoonist. But above all else. I don't think there has ever been a better letterer ever to put pen to paper. You can pick the best letterer, you know, whose style you like the best. Dave Sim knocks them all dead. The guy takes typography and wrestles it to the ground and makes it his bitch. Nobody works with letters like Dave Sim. I'll give the guy props, but when you read this book, it is a freaking endurance test. It really is. And I don't know. My third time through, it ain't getting any better. Mm-hmm. So I will. I will say it's the one spot where Dave Sim trips up a little bit. But already hear that. Yeah, Cerebus is very worthwhile. If you if now nah, obviously it, it, if you're going to read Cerebus, you're going to eventually come upon this stuff. But you can pretend it's not there. Read Church and State. Read High Society. Those are fantastic. Yeah, comic I've enjoyed works. George very much. Yeah, um, they're great. But I, I am a little leery of. I know at some point it gets very different, and I'm a little leery of that because as as intolerant as I mean, for you to find it as distasteful as you're finding it, I I have to wonder if there's. I'm be really lenient, even before this. That's going to bother me. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty lenient, and mm-hmm. uh, I used to uh, when I bought the single issues of Dairy, of Cerebus, I would read all the letters pages in the back. He didn't do it for a time, but. The the letters pages in Cerebus became what we eventually have now as like our message boards. Mm-hmm. There would there would be the same people writing into Cerebus and Dave, and you know it was like a clicky kind of cool uh, letters page letters page. It was like ten pages in the back at one point, mm-hmm. you know. So I was steeped in the Cerebus. I was so into it, and I think the guy's brilliant, but the narrative did get perverted by his change in in heart as far as women and religion it, there, you can't tell me that it didn't i won't believe you because i see it on the paper 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I mean, it, it's hard to wrap up an epic run. Did you ever read all of the uh, Stephen King Dark Tower series? I haven't yet. I, the only I thing still Stephen have King six. Ha- yeah, yeah I mean, I'm I'm on the song of uh, what is song it? Of, uh, Susanna. Yeah. Yeah, Susanna. I mean, that was an. Ex- I, I love the entire series, e- even the last book. But the last book is a perfect example of a multi-decade creative in- endeavor that no matter what he did, it was going to be impossible to um, to make everyone who was a fan of that series happy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can see that with Cerebus too. It's like there's always going to be people that are that are going to feel slighted or feel like something that is an epic, um, you know, magnum opus isn't going to end correctly. And the la- the last book of of the Dark Tower series, I, I can I can understand how people didn't like the way that it ended not not just like the way that it ended the way that you know major plot lines were were resolved and it's because it, it it's an epic series that it be, you know it takes on a life of its own and it mm-hmm. becomes something that is bigger than the creator i mean uh, i mean stephen king wrote himself into the dark tower series as a character and that takes some fucking ego and some fucking balls to do that but it's because that that series it became such a huge part of him that he felt like he was a part of it and i i've never read cerebus <laughs> but i can imagine that sim kind of felt that way as well that that book was a major part of him and you know how do you how do you wrap up something perfectly that is you know your life's work that's a daunting task. Yeah, you 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 break apart the Torah for twenty issues and have a Woody Allen stand in. Well, maybe maybe for Dave Sim that was the way for him to do it because this this went beyond creative endeavor. And, but, but, yeah, but and I under- much more, I think it's much more personal than that. But there was always areas where Dave could go in that direction, like the 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 two volumes before this. Going home and form and void. Cerebus and Jaka are on a riverboat with essentially F. Scott Fitzgerald. So right. Dave, Dave was into F. Scott Fitzgerald, so he threw him into the story. He threw Oscar Wilde into Melmoth. Yeah. He yeah. he he threw Lord Julius in into High Society. The, the the Stones, Mick and Keith, show up uh, during Church and State. It, it's just he always had the opportunity to bend the narrative to include characters and people that he thought would would be fool would be cool to 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 use in his in his work. And I understand that. That's fine. But this is something totally totally different. Cerebus readers were used to parody. They they were used to um the whims of the creator taking the story in different areas and unexpected areas. This is just crazy. I'm I mean it it's excessive to the point where it's almost Self-parody. It really is. It, it's it's crazy. I, I should scan one of the pages and put it up on the forum just so you could see how small this type is and then multiply what's on the screen by like 150 because that's how many pages are in this thing. Nuts. Whatever. But anyway, yeah, I'm not disappointed because maybe because I knew what to expect, but at the end of a 300-issue series, it was kind of a letdown. 
no, kind let of me ask you, what, what prompted you to read? I mean, is this just... Have you I read it again because I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. I thought, okay, had to be me. It, it's my fault. I'm missing something. I'm just not mm-hmm. getting it. There's got to be a, a little golden... Because I know what the dude's capable of. Dave Sim is one of the greatest... I, I'm no hyperbole again. The greatest comic creators we've seen. And for him to do this, I'm thinking right. he invested 20-some issues, 22 issues in this. I'm missing something. I'm definitely not picking up on where he wants to go with this. But nah, there's there's nothing. There's just mm-hmm. nothing there. It's just him breaking apart the Torah and, and him trying to make sense of religion. Yay. Thanks. But, I mean, it does, it, it does pick up at the, after the next book, uh, it, after this book. The Last Day, pretty, pretty good traditional Dave Sim Cerebus story. So, whatever. Yeah. No, I can't. So, I am. I don't like to be a downer, especially when it's about a creator that I personally think is, I love him. I think he's one of my favorite creators ever. And this is just, I, I, I Dave, you lost me on this. I don't know what you were going for. There you okay. go. Yeah. But you're still good. <laughs> you, you, your celibate ass is still good. Oh, and it, it's really strange because for someone so celibate, there's a lot of talk about masturbating in this thing. Cerebus has a a chronic masturbation problem. He he eventually becomes he a. Well, what becomes, at what stage did he get divorced? Celibate, right? Yeah. Oh, he's celibate at the beginning of this. This that's the reason the devastating events of the previous volume has his mind all screwed up. Something oh. happens, and he's. Not with a woman. Let's just put it that way, and uh, so he gets a job as a as a tender of sheep, and the the farmer's the farmer's wife is super hot, and so Cerebus spends his nights looking in through the bathroom window while she bathes and playing with himself. Nice. Yeah, and that's what event. I know, <laughs> and it's towards the end of the book. Uh, the Woody Allen character has a chronic masturbation problem too. So the book is not sexless. Dave Sim puts a lot of sex into it, and there's there's a running gag with one of Koshi's paintings that uh, Mo pretended not to know about, and it's just a woman's ass, and it's uh, this beautiful rendering of a woman's ass and, and Koshi, but I don't know where the celibate right. part comes in. Yeah, so yeah, there's sex in Cerebus. It's just, uh, I don't know. Hey, Vince. I was at the library, and I saw... An old beat-up copy of Bean World, Volume 1. And I took it home and I, you know, fixed it all up with shipping tape, made it look all nice. And I was, uh, I was trying to give you some respect and uh, tried to read it. And, God, I thought it was awful. <laughs> so let's talk about something upbeat so I don't have to go out on a downer. Uh, well, we haven't heard from David very much. No, we David, haven't. David, are you there? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here. No, got, I'm, what I'm, you got, brother? I was losing my voice this week, so I was, uh, oh, I was just, I was just enjoying the the comic talk and uh, and what, what's not to like about Cerebus? Nothing. Well, except except the Torah. Except, so. <laughs> except for latter days. If you like pretty you're, pictures. You're, <laughs> You were you were offending our, our Jewish brother with all of your slamming <laughs> yeah. of the Torah. Yeah, that's what's going to do it. Nah. <laughs> I I wasn't slamming the Torah. The, uh, <laughs> slamming, Sim was, slamming Sims' use of it. Yeah. Uh, 
It, I will say one thing. The pictures sure are pretty. That's about yeah, all that I got. Ger- that, that, that Gerhard sure can embellish, huh? Oh, so, man. He is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, they say that uh, Sim is pretty much broke, and part of the reason is he, he made Gerhard whole when Gerhard wanted out. And, yeah, you had uh, to pay him off. Yeah, yeah I paid him off a big, big, big amount of money. And Sim is free, freely admits that he was not very fiscally responsible during the heyday of service. So. Then again, he was divorced, too, so I'm sure she took him yeah. a pretty yeah, penny. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, DAP, you're not reading anything that you, you want to talk about, buddy? DAP. DAP. DAP a day. Oh, something that's been really interesting and... Um, and consistent because the uh, I know I, I tend to I guess get down on things when uh, when an artist is working on like two or three issues and then all of a sudden needs a month off or there's a fill in for an issue or two and then he's back. But, you uh, know? No, believe it or not, I, I've been. <laughs> I, it's what the people tell me. Uh, but um, Lee Garbett and and Inc. by Trevor Scott on the Outsiders is. Is a consistently good-looking book. Um, Tomasi is is writing a really cool story. I believe this when when this arc ends, uh, I believe uh, Garbett and probably Scott are going on to do the new Batgirl series. So I'm kind of bummed, um, but I do like this Outsiders team. I mean, this yeah, me too. It's it's really cool, and I'm I'm like mm-hmm. I'm surprised at. I mean, I'm a huge old school Mike W. Barr, Jim Apparel, Batman and the Outsiders fan. And um and if you have, you know, Geo Force and Metamorphone, Katana and Halo on the team and Black Lightning, then, then then I'm all there. And then you throw in a character like the Creeper. And, and I'm sure I'm sure Jason's bummed that Justiniano isn't doing the art. But the uh the the, the last I, Yeah, I said I no, I remember I, I said I, I confused. Yeah. 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 Um and aside from aside from Alfred being, I guess, the ears back at the Batcave, the 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 last member who I wasn't sure who it was, just looking at the cover, because I'm not sure where he came into play in the DC universe. Based on maybe he popped it in a crisis, but Owlman is a member of the team, mm-hmm. and um, nice. And it's just it's it. He reminds me of the the Owlman from the Watchmen miniseries because he's not he's not exactly the physical specimen that, that Bruce Wayne was or is. Um you think that's intentional? I oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So it's um it's just really there there's a uh there is an appearance by one of my favorite D C villains in the um in the last issue Alfred comes face to face. is the, in it? <laughs> I was say Mad Hatter. Um, the uh, Alfred comes face to face with uh, with with Deathstroke, and uh, and I mean it's just it's it's really cool. I just it's it's something that it's to me it, it feels like uh, like what a lot of people would say Guardians of the Galaxy or Captain Britain is for wow. Marvel. It's just it's one of those things that's just it's not high on on the radar and 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 people it might it might be under the radar for for people to kind of be into it and it's like oh there's you know there's no batman in it there's no superman in it there's no big three it's just who the hell wants to read a book you know metamorpho and geo force and that's high it's praise good, it's good it's good comic book fun 
It is. Yeah. It is. I'm, yep. I'm, I'm enjoying the storyline and this whole, there's a, uh, there may be a connection between, uh, Metamorpho and, uh, and Vandal Savage as far as the, uh, <laughs> the, the meteorite that, uh, <laughs> Vandal, that, <laughs> that, that gave, uh, Vandal Savage his, his intellect and his immortality and the, uh, the, the the same rock that may have turned uh, Rex Mason into a into metamorpho. So it's 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 pretty cool to see those things like that. Can, yeah. can you know what? Uh, I gotta. I, let me just apologize for last episode because I was you know busting balls on the outsiders. I don't even read the book. <laughs> Remember when at, at the end when I said read every other page, it'll make sense. I don't read the outsiders. So I just talk it out my ass just to get a rise out of David. Shocker. So, yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. There was a a creature that was like metamorpho in, H, in ancient yeah the the ancient egyptian which was basically metamorpho before rex mason right oh, oh yeah no, that character okay i was thinking shift, yeah shift is the uh is old the, outsiders uh, the outsiders guy uh, that well, yeah you think is metamorph is actually a piece of him that evolves into his own. Right. Uh, okay. Well, there, there's uh, if you read the old, uh, well, not the old, the the Jeff the Johns, uh, not the Old Testament, the Jeff Johns JSA, where they go back to Egypt and they meet Teth Adam. There mm-hmm. is a metamorpho character that is not Rex Mason. So okay. I don't. I'm gonna have to look this up on Wikipedia or call Tom, aren't I? <laughs> Probably, yeah. yeah. I will say one thing, though. Uh, for how into Battle for the Cowl I was leading up to the event, mm-hmm. you know, the the whole Morrison thing, I don't give a damn what happens now. Yeah. Just, did, I, just, did, I just want yeah. to get to the point where Morrison and Quietly start doing the Batman and Robin. Just get me there. Here, here. Did, this, did you read the last issue of Battle for the Cowl? I'm not reading I, any I, of it. I, I just I, don't I, care. I read, yeah, I read the first two, and, and I'm in no rush to read the third. Um, yeah. uh, I don't want to say don't bother. Jason, have yeah. you read it? I'm not reading it, now. They had an opportunity to do something kind of interesting, and they didn't. It ended up being exactly what you... The foreshadowing from Final Crisis. It, it ended up being... I, no I know what surprise. you're going to say. Right. No right. surprise. They, um... So I don't want to... Tony Daniel right and draw the book. No surprises in it. It was right. like, yep, um, point A to B to C to D, done. And that's exactly how you would imagine an unimaginative way of doing it. And right. it was it was pretty to look at in points and there were some there were some flashes of nice writing throughout the series. I thought the second issue was probably stronger. Uh, than than the first, the third, but they they gave it all away too early, which I thought was going to be a red herring, and it wasn't a red herring, which makes it, <laughs> you know, it's this, like oh, this is not a red they're, herring. They're they're so they're they're being so obvious about this without giving it away that it has to be a red herring, and then at the end, whenever you're like, oh no, it wasn't a red herring. And it was never meant to be a red herring. Well, that's just not. That's kind of fucking boring. <laughs> that's wow. nice, J- Jason. Let me put it this way: There's a full-page illustration in the last issue of Morrison's Batman with somebody holding the cow. I read Batman, brother. Yeah. Okay. 
So there you go. Thanks for the yeah, foreshadowing. No, no. Oh yeah, and I've I've followed what's happening on Battle for the Cal out of curiosity, and that's I've, I, so I know it happens, obviously. But yeah, right. I put the point is I don't. I think this has proven that Battle for the Cow was very much the transitional "quote unquote" event that everyone expected it to be. Right? I mean, uh, right. It was just what does what does it say about the? I mean, yes, it probably was written fairly well and drawn fairly well, but obviously it didn't matter worth a damn because, all, you know, we're not pining for it. We don't feel like we've missed anything. We'll just pick yeah. it up when the ball starts rolling again. It's that. Yeah, when are they going to? Yeah, you'll be able to pick up Batman and Robin, which I'm actually kind of interested in. Can we, do we have to dart around who fucking Batman is, or can oh, we talk? Well, about no, I don't because it's what everyone expected. Is Dick Grayson? Yeah, it's, it's Dick, yeah. Gray, Dick. Dick Grayson is, is Batman, and I'm I'm kind of okay with that. You know, thank, hell yeah! Thank goodness, thank goodness for Ed Brubaker and Captain America that that he was able to. Oh, is that kind of weird that it's like I've I've been living what a year and a half with Bucky as Captain America and I'm totally fine with that. So if that's cool, I can deal with Dick Grayson as Batman. Does that make yeah, sense? Captain America is the costume, not the character. Well, that there's it's it's kind yeah. of different with with Batman. Not how? Because Bruce Wayne is Batman. This uh, Dick I'm, is going to be a Batman. He's not going to be the Batman. Right. He doesn't you have the same demons. He doesn't you, have you the would, same things driving him. You would have said that. Always you would have. You would have, are you kidding me? He's got the same things driving him. And you would have said the same thing about Bucky no. two years ago. Okay, no, I, I disagree as far it, so as what know. Dick and Bruce, because Dick had a father. Fi- Dick had two father figures in his life. He had Alfred and Bruce. Yeah. Bruce didn't have a father figure in his life. He didn't hear yeah, that. Did Alfred, he no, Alfred? no, no, not till years later. Not to, he had him originally, but then he went away. Why don't you get and Renee if you, on? If, if That'd you, be really cool. <laughs> if you, if, and then he, at the beginning of year one, he comes off the plane, and, and Alfred's like, okay, welcome home. So he was doing his own thing, and, and he didn't have Alfred or Leslie in, in a lot of his life growing up. He didn't, and, and he didn't have what he was able to give Dick in order to... <laughs> Yeah, that was for you, Vince. Um, you almost made it through. The, uh, the, the, um, I, I love how strong you are. I'm so What you're saying is that Dick doesn't have the same obsession against crime that Bruce did. Right. 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 Okay. He, he, may, he may love Gotham, but Gotham isn't, he doesn't, I don't think he has the same connection Bruce has to Gotham. Yeah, he also you know, doesn't have the same demons, whereas Dick knows when to you know, sit the frig down, and all right, I'm spent. Bruce never had that safety valve. Right. He would push yeah, himself until he he just dropped. But you can you can write that in. It's a, you you have you put a good writer on Batman with Dick Grayson wearing the cape and cow, and within a year you'll be saying, "Wow, Dick Grayson has added layers to the Batman." Oh, I'm sure I'm sure we will, right? Yeah. But it, it, it won't be the Batman. It'll be a Batman. No, well, yeah, but it's the same thing with the Flash. It's the same thing with. It is the same thing with the Flash. You're right, but it's. It, it, I don't know. See, it, it's it's Green Lantern. Yeah, same thing with Green Lantern. But totally been out. <laughs> hey guys, this is Rick calling from the south suburbs of Chicago. Love the show. Your conversation about. Age warnings and labels for kids uh, has me uh, not any more clear on the issue than I was before. Uh, unfortunately, my my son is 
you know, going on 13 right now, and you know, he he loves two things: comics and Godzilla. And you know, we, I, I try to throw as much as I can at him to uh, you know, cultivate the future generations of of comic fans, and you know, he's spreading it among his friends too. But uh, it's difficult now that he's getting into the teenage years to anticipate when is the right time to introduce him to uh, some of the things that I was never exposed to as a youth, uh, such as uh, like uh, the Dark Knight Returns and uh, you know Watchmen and you know, things like that. He and I just gave him Marvels because he was uh, I felt he was finally old enough to to somewhat appreciate it. Uh, it's not as an adult theme as something like Watchmen, but you know that's that's uh, on the horizon eventually. But you know, I wish there was uh, some sort of rule book that uh, let me know. Okay, this is when you can show him this kind of book, and this is when you can show him that kind of book. But I just kind of got to go on on instinct here. But I appreciate you guys bringing it up in the discussion, and uh, hopefully I'll, I'll figure it out without you know scarring him you know, in any detrimental ways. Later. I, I agree with Vince. Where Captain America, it's it's the idea, it's the costume, it's the costume that gives the people hope. Steve Rogers was Captain it's, America. It's the flag, is what Bucky it is. can't right. Bucky can't replace that, but Bucky can be a symbol. Bucky right. can do that job, and 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 he's another one where he can't be like Steve because he had Steve for however long they fought in the war together before the accident, and Bucky went away. So, you know, Bucky and Steve so, didn't have the years that Dick and Bruce had. Well, I was going to say, so Dick Dick can't put on the cape and cowl and Tim. Oh, he he, he can. can he can yeah. he can impersonate a Batman. He can do what he can to to he has be in like the past Bruce. Anyway. Absolutely! Yeah. Wow, so what did if, Alfred. But what if he's what if he's Batman for twenty years? It doesn't yeah. matter. That's great. Fine. But he, he he I'm 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 not saying there can only be one Batman or only Bruce Wayne can be Batman. But I <laughs> but but Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson are two different people. When Dick puts on the cape and cowl, he's doing it like Bucky to honor the sure, sure. the previous. Yeah. But he's he's. Not, I mean, he, if if Jean Paul can pull it off, oh, Jesus Christ. Dick Dick could certainly pull it off. Now, at least Dick is nice enough not to armor the fuck out of the uniform. Yeah, thank you. Joe Q. Uh, yeah, because it was only Joe Q. He just drew the damn thing. Then he only had nothing to do with it. He didn't. Uh, you know, you know, it's all Joe. Talking yeah. about mantles. So the other DC mantles, I mean, can anyone uh, take on the Wonder Man, the Wonder Woman, the Wonder Man? Wonder or Man. Can, can anyone be Wonder Woman? Yep. Uh, yeah. No. No, her mother and and Donna pretty much proved that they they could be. No, they were women pretending to be Wonder Woman while Diana was indisposed. Oh, I think Diana's yes. That's like saying, can anyone be Odin? No, Thor can take over for Odin. Oh no no no, He's that's different. not like it at all. There it is. No, it's not. Diana's no. just a cipher anyway. She's a placeholder. Well, okay. Well, what about what about the big S? No. There's yeah. only one Superman. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they tried that anyway. There are at least 52 that we know of. Oh, well, yeah. But they're all posers. Does There's it, only does, one real Superman. Does it always have to be Clark? Yes, it does. It's always been Clark. It's always been Clark. Forever. Forever and ever. And ever. Spit curl forever. Yes. Can't it's, be Mono. Nope. It's always Clark. Oh, God, no. Can't be Connor. Nope. The fuck no. Nope. Because Clark Clark has the, has the unique 
um, luxury of being raised by two of the best parents under the certain circumstances that made him into the honorable young man that he was and turned him into the greatest superhero the world has ever seen. So you don't have those conditions with all the other ones. Look at what happened with, you know, that Red Sun thing and, uh, you know, Monel's a different story. Yeah, they come close, but none of them are Clark. None of them. It, it'll always be Clark. That's it's, right. I, I agree with Vince there. I don't agree that it couldn't be someone else, but it never will be. Right. Wait. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. And... and uh, you, you're thinking of it more from an ideological. I'm thinking of it more from a logistical. You take a good writer, and they could make anyone be convincing in a role. Oh, you take sure. Uh, seriously, three years ago, you told me Bucky would be not only be Captain America, but be a Captain America that I would not want to see Steve Rogers come back for a while because I wasn't enjoying it so much. I think you're fucking crazy. So, you know, you take someone like that and say, okay, they're going to make Connor Superman for 10 years. And I'd be like, oh, that sounds terrible. But a good writer can do that and make it convincing and make it entertaining, and then it works. But, right. no, but Diana, Diana and Bruce and Clark and Barry and Hal, mm. they're always going to be the, they're going to be the, the tent poles for those mantles. And they may hand it off from time to time, but those, I mean, it's always going to be those people. But when you talk Steve Rogers, comparing Steve Rogers to Clark Kent, there's no, um, I mean, come it's, on. It's, it's, it's one greatest American ideal in one company versus the greatest American ideal at another company. But Steve the characters Rogers, weren't Steve, developed Steve, the same. Steve, Steve Rogers was, I mean, he's boring. Superman never punched Hitler in the face. But, th that's not, but that's not what I'm talking about. The character of Steve Rogers, when he's not in the costume, is yeah. Mil is milk toast. It, he's he's not even. Uh, oh, but so was well, before Burns. So was Clark. Opinion. Yeah, a lot of people think the same thing as Superman, Vince. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Who? Cool. Get their names. Before Burn, pre Burn, the Carrie Bates, Kurt Swan era. Clark Kent was boring as fuck. Well, most people most don't people think this use that language when you describe Clark Kent. A lot of people still think most, he's boring. Most they think, think he's too powerful as a hero, and that his character and his alter ego is is boring. I mean, Someone that, they meaning that's you? That's actually a common criticism. So <laughs> I'm saying, like, you're you're acting like that's that's actually a common preposterous. <laughs> it is preposterous. It's not even within the realms of common sense. It doesn't happen. <laughs> Now I understand what you mean, but I'm just saying, Steve. What what could you name? What is a, a character trait of Steve Rogers? He's an artist. Okay, yeah. name it's another one. Trait. Name another one. He's boring. He's, he's always he, much he is like boring. Clark. Much he, like he, Clark, he, he has impeccable moral code. He just knows the right thing to do at all times. Okay, uh, master battle tactician gets the lay of, gets the lay of the uh, the battle land in in a second and can react accordingly. All right. So what else do we have for Steve Rogers? He's a man out of time, just like Clark He's is a old. man in a different world. Okay, dated a lot of stupid, shitty women. Uh, oh, what's wrong with Barney? Gets off the poon. Come on, Diamond. What's her name? Diamond. Uh, Dude, Diamond Bathurst. There's you better Rosenthal Dude, she was a hoe. Okay. You better not take Diamond back and and, and besmirch her. 
She's a hoe. She only <laughs> wanted a whole run, which is sacred. It's sacrosanct. Don't mess with it. And then you have he was a werewolf. Steve Rogers was a werewolf yeah, at one time. Yeah, he was nomad. <laughs> yeah, he was nomad. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm just saying no, no, it, they're, they're 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 the same look, character. I, 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 they're all, not. I mean, they're all, not the in, same character. In all seriousness, yes, I, I don't think many people would credibly argue that. Steve Rogers is as iconic as Clark Kent. I mean, Clark Kent's one of the most iconic alter egos. Right, right. That's why I'm saying you really shouldn't compare them. Well, what I'm saying, though, is I I do think Steve Rogers, like many characters, if written well, can be very interesting. You betcha. I'm not denying that. I mean, I I think, much like Wonder Woman, I think, right, I think you guys were talking about this on the last episode of AC, right, Chris, how, you know, Wonder Woman, for all of the insistence of her being part of the trinity you know for a lot of her existence she hasn't been written all that well or at least not to captivate a lot of people and uh well, so one thing even I, one thing that i said that I, I still i i've been thinking about it since then is that i don't believe that the the wonder woman story has been written yet you can look right, at Superman right. that there are there are you know watershed stories about Superman that have been written. Obviously, uh, Batman has has several out there that you could say that is a that is an ultimate Batman story. Um, mm. I don't think Wonder Woman's story has been written yet. I don't think there's one that you know every Wonder Woman fan should say you have to read this story because this is everything you need to know about the character. I don't think that story has been written yet. It's kind of hard to sympathize with a god. There are some people that do it well like Simonson did with Thor, but that's, that's very rare. It's really yeah. hard to accept Diana for anything other than a god, and how could you put yourself in the shoes of God? It's almost impossible. So, I don't know. It's, it's tough to write a, a convincing Diana story. Actually, I think that's why Superman is such a cool character, right? Is that he is pretty much a god, but he was raised as a normal American farm boy, and that's why he's different. Then that's why he is different, and that's pretty feet of clay. And that's yeah. why, and that's why you're going to love uh, World of New Krypton. Is because I'm excited, buddy. He's now I'm a excited. god amongst other gods, and it's yeah, it's cool, right? It's, but those right. those although they have his powers, they don't have the experience of yep. using his powers, and most importantly, don't have the moral code that he developed by being right. raised by my. That's the important part, the moral you know, code. It, if he say, I mean, it, can you say that if you had Superman's powers, you wouldn't be the richest, most powerful person on the planet with all the best-looking women? Come on, I'd be pimping myself all over the I'd, place. I'd be, I'd be uh, the top guy of the uh, of of the uh, of uh, the in the boys. What's it called? The, uh, the, the uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you talking about Billy Butcher? No, 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 the super team. I would be that guy. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah the seven, when, yeah. When getting the uh, the blowskies from the new oh, That's the guy. You'd be, you'd be corrupting that power, uh, right. and, but Clark doesn't allow it because he's got yeah. that moral code. Yep. No, I, I, may- love to, I, I, I would love to see them write Wonder Woman stories on Paradise Island. Paradise Island is actually interesting to me. I could give two shits about Diana being in the United States. States or yeah. you know on the JLA satellite, she fades into the background. I I love the the mythological stories. That's why I like you know Incredible Hercules and Thor mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I want to see Diana stories like on Paradise Island. Well, Would how was cool. Rucka's story? The what is it? The uh, Hikata? Hikata? 
uh, was, Hikateria Hikate, or whatever. Yeah, whatever. J.G. Jones? It, it, yeah, it, uh, it didn't, um, didn't put me to sleep, which is saying a lot <laughs> for a Wonder Woman story. Um, she kicked Batman's ass, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. That's, uh, um, that's a case of a, of a good writer who kind of understands the character writing a not boring story. It's mm-hmm. unfortunately, she's just a kind of a boring character and she doesn't have to be. I, I said the same thing about Superman a year ago and it's my favorite comics right now are Superman family comics, Captain America, pretty boring character. All of a sudden, not boring anymore. So, I mean, they're there, and I hear that Gail is writing a good Wonder Woman comic right now. I really haven't been reading. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the Wonder Woman comic by Simone. I, I didn't read it. I've never, I never read her comic until Simone took over, and uh, it's been a real blast. So, I, uh, she's drawing did, on it, uh, Bronze it, Age it, influences too. Yeah, but it didn't get off the floor really quickly. It, no. it took a little bit of a buildup. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, because it was so late well, with it, the boxes. I was going to say, if they relaunched it with the number one, then then it might have it might have helped. But that whole yeah. and then Dodson fiasco was was a mess. Yeah. yeah. All right. Say good night because we are pushing it. Okay. All right. Speaking of speaking of background, real quick, I, the only the only thing I could since it all goes back to the outsiders where I brought it up, I was kind of right. bummed that in in the latest issue, um, Katana I think was in like two panels. I have no idea what the hell happened to her throughout the whole issue. The whole team's doing something. It's like Katana just disappeared. I, I got to find out what the hell that's about. And I don't think there's enough Halo, but that's a personal thing. I like Master you. Chief. No. <laughs> I'm no not off the not at all. <clears throat> all right. All right. Um, Should we read? What do we read? Oh, hey, do yourself a favor. Pick up 20th Century Boys and read it because you'll love it. If you have a soul, I'm not planning on much for Mr. Neesman. I mentioned it last week real briefly, and I'm about halfway through it, and I am completely entertained and loving it, and that is Johnny Hero from Ad House Books. Uh, Yes. Pick it up and read it because it is it is fun. It's it's even kind of manga esque, so I might have a fucking soul. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. No, mm, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the the time and I'm like, ah, I'm not going to start this. So. You know, uh, pick you. up the uh, Marvel Adventures books. Fun, all ages, done in one. Jason. Second. Read on Kenny X Men. Logan's a prick. No, I just just had my read all set up and now I'm blanking. Fuck. Oh, oh, got it, got it, got it. Uh, read Power Girl. Oh, Shocking is that. Ah, had one of my favorite villains of all time. Oh, don't spoil it. Uh, what? I, I can cut that part out. <laughs> Why? Why is that a spoiler? I don't know. Oh, because it's an awesome reveal. And you're like, fuck oh. yeah. Pick up Love X-Force it. tomorrow, too. The continuation of the Messiah War story. Yes, so yes. Only have, uh, yeah. what? Two more parts left? Yeah. No. Whatever. How many is it? Yeah. I think it's, it's six, it's right? It's still good. It's awesome. You betcha. Strife versus Cable versus Apocalypse versus... No, come how on. Cool, how cool is, is is Hope who takes off Strife's helmet? She's like, Nate? Yeah. Yeah. She, <laughs> not the brightest kid in, in, in the classroom. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that's that, that's <laughs> what, that, that's the fit of you kind right there. That's what we want to see. Yep. Hey, I knew it was you with this big freaking armor. I'm trying to hurt the bag back, man. Yeah. Yeah, and then Bishop's I'm, like, dumb bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. <laughs> we'll see ya. Bye. Well, bye. Say bye Who's left to assume Set the skins for a bell And the rest for a bell We can't open, no nothing Can't open, no nothing Young liar Thank you for taking my Fear of not wanting to fear again Lonely is all